People who have never been in radio don't understand that <laughs> when you when you put them away for a week, mm-hmm. headphones decide to mate, and the cords get all twisted you and tangled. Like, and it was like as though you were knitting over there. You were just weaving well, cords th- in and out. I was thinking of my grandmother's mantra: knit one, pearl, pearl two, two. Mm-hmm. and uh, it it kind of worked. Uh huh. Your grandmother's name was Pearl. In it, fact. Was. it was. It was. <laughs> Welcome to Saturday night. And as I said on Facebook when I posted pictures of our drive in, if you can stay in tonight and be all cozy and snuggle up with your radio, do that because it's kind of challenging out there. Yeah. Uh, you, you think it's great. You look out the window. It's actually very lovely here on the 18th floor looking out the window. We don't see snow. Skies are clear. But you could be driving along and drive right into a snow squall. Yeah. And the people forget how to drive. And it's really crazy. Because they've never, ever driven in snow before. Snow has never, ever happened in Chicago. And it's ironic that all the license plates with the people driving without their headlights on in a snow squall are people with Illinois plates on their car. And driving luxury cars. (laughs) And obviously, they didn't pay for the luxury of lights that go on when it's dark. Okay, it's early, Steve. Okay. By the way, yay, Indiana. I bet you guys are happy. Yeah, how cool was that? Boy, that was a comeback. They didn't just win. What did they do? Oh, what was it? They They, roared. That's right. They roared. Wait a minute. (coughs) Where is the roar button? They roared back. I can't do that on this side. You don't want to hear what I can do because then your dog. Why do I now want to do a Frosted Flakes commercial? Because they're great. Okay. We stopped by here to play on the radio for a few hours, so I'm glad you could join us. Um, uh, The guy that made that possible for you to do is sitting in the studio here. (laughs) Engineer Bob. Grandpa Bob. How are you, Bob? I'm fine. Good, good, good. good. Thank you for the baby pictures this week. Oh, yeah. That baby is getting big. He is. He's three months now, right? Three months at Christmas. Yep. Yeah, so the family's texting you saying, thanks, Dad, for mentioning the baby. (laughs) You had a good Christmas with him, though. Oh, yeah. Nothing better than that. And and you want to share the story on the air that you told us off the air last week about the baby and your brother? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, My brother and my oldest sister decided to visit uh, Thorne for the first time. Baby Thorne. Yeah. And... uh, so he saw my brother, who kind of looks like me, uh, and he got all excited, and he smiled, and he cooed, and my brother spoke, and his eyebrows knitted, and he was like, what, what is this? This isn't Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> and you went, Grandpa for the win. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. it was obvious he knew that was not you. Yes, he did. That's cool at three months. Yep. And when he saw me today, he cooed and he laughed. Yeah. And so. And and he was thinking to himself, this isn't the dumb brother. This is my Grandpa. <laughs> this is Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, have you worn your T-shirt? 
I have not. You're, you're great. I don't want him to throw up on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I forget what we had put on your T-shirt. It says um, it's a gramp. Uh, gramp the best the best gramp gramp Bob. Right, gramp Bob. Yeah, yes, gramp not grandpa Bob, but gramp Bob. <laughs> Thorne will appreciate that. Over in the newsroom, Ron Brown is hanging out. Hey, Ron. Hey, how are you guys doing? Is it too late to say Happy New Year to everybody? I don't think so. I think uh, the 7th is what everybody's been saying is like the the cutoff day of saying Happy (laughs) New Year. So we've got a few more hours. I love these rules to live by. (laughs) And tonight is our first anniversary of Steve and Johnny's show version 2.0. And Ron, you were here last year for the first one, right? I was, and I was like, who are these people, (laughs) these Steve and Johnny people I've been hearing so much about? Because I was out of town uh, for a lot, uh, uh, for a long time, while you guys Mm -hmm. were on the air, so I was... Yeah, for 27 years you were out of town. Yeah. (laughs) We were here. It was a lot. I was. I was. So, you know, right after high school, I joined the Air Force, and then uh, got into broadcast and they took me all over the place. So when mm-hmm. I came back and everybody's all excited, Steve and Johnny are coming back. Steve and Johnny are coming back. And you said, they, who are these guys? And now I know. You know why these two every, guys. Now I know why everybody was so excited. No, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun show. It's, it's, it's a, a big upgrade. Oh, a big thanks. upgrade. One year ago, we were of the mind that, oh, okay, we'll try this week by week and see what happens. And so we're still here a year well, later. 48 shows later, we're still yeah. here. We had 6,207 under our belt in 1.0. Full time. Yes, full yeah. time. So we're, we're back now with 48. I, I did the count on the way into work tonight. And, and people are saying, but it's a 52 weeks. But we weren't on the air every week. So this we were on true. the air 48 so 48 shows. Yes, yes. And you know what? We have the same approach as we did last year on this very day. We said, we're going to try this out yeah. this year and see how yep. it feels. We're taking it night by night. <laughs> That's right. See how it so goes. If you tune in some night, you know, like, oh. No, no. We, we are always in contact with you guys on Facebook and uh, through our blog. So if anything happens, you'll be the second to know. Yes. And uh, over on the other side of the glass, Julian is back with us this week. Hey, Julian. Hey, Julian. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. He was looking for that deep voice button on his side. It's like, where is it? Where? I need an echo. I still think you're going to wind up doing a smooth jazz show at some point. Hey, smooth jazz with Mr. J. (laughs) Oh, he's got his name. There you go. (laughs) Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Yeah. That works. Well, happy New Year, Julian, since we didn't see you last. Feliz Año Nuevo. Oh. Well, Easy too. for you to say. <laughs> yes. I just rolled right off his tongue, <laughs> yeah. for sure. We were talking off the air about the fact that today is Three Kings Day, the Epiphany. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I always said, hey, Christmas tree does not come down till Christmas is over with. Nope. And yesterday was the 12th day of Christmas, and today is Three Kings Day, people. It's still the holiday. You have until midnight. <laughs> and people roll their eyes and go, oh, I took my tree down the day after Christmas. There, there is a... I was going to say a friend of ours, but he's, he, he's really a former friend because he's a jerk. Uh, <laughs> and... And those are his good points. <laughs> and, and my brother will know who we're talking about. Yes. Uh, this person, literally, Christmas night. Yes. He's taken Taking, the tree down. Well, that's it. Okay. I, enough of this Christmas nonsense. Yeah. Got to get it done. That's part of the reason why he's not a yes, friend anymore. Because we said, really? <laughs> 
Okay, we got a lot coming up tonight. Uh, as one of our listeners said, we've got like a 10-pound show. We're going to squeeze into a four-and-a-half-pound bag. <laughs> coming up a little later tonight, uh, Tracy Butler, who is celebrating her 30th anniversary at Channel 7, has mm-hmm. been a longtime friend of ours. She's going to be joining us. Uh, Steve Burnus, the president and chief executive office of the uh, – off, or uh, maybe is he playing office or officer? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, he's with the Better Business Bureau of Chicago. Let me stop you right there. Quick poll. Because I polled you earlier this afternoon. Bob, do you know what a Stanley Cup is? Of course. Okay. Uh, uh, Are you sure you know? Are you sure you know? Uh, Ron, do you know what a Stanley Cup is? Yes, I do. It's been in the news as of late. Okay. Okay. Julian, are you familiar with the Stanley Cup? Because when I said that to Steve, he goes, well, yeah, that's hockey. Yeah. Who's Stanley Cup? Uh, Excuse me? Yeah, who is Stanley Cup? <laughs> no, it's not Matt Stanley Cup. Irv's brother. Irv's little brother. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about the scams surrounding those ginormous mm-hmm. drinking cups that people, uh, all right, women have been standing in line at the crack of dawn to grab. And that's why it's been in the news this weekend as mm-hmm. a result of the popularity scams have developed. And that's one of the things that Steve's going to talk to us about tonight. Yes. Uh, that also, Jim Engel. Uh, who is an extraordinary uh, artist, uh, cartoonist, cartoonist uh, and creative. creator. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. And uh, some of you, you may have seen him on TV. Anyhow, we're going to talk to him about the Disney... Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie. Thank you. I, I had Willie and I was going to... <laughs> As we had been talking earlier, I was going to Bill Clinton. And I thought, no, it's not the Disney Bill Clinton thing. It's the Disney Steamboat Willie thing. Because I lifted the, co- the copyright in Steamboat <laughs> Willie. And I said, you know, if Clinton was still in office, I would I, I would commission someone to draw Clinton in a Steamboat Willie outfit. And that would be the T-shirt that I would be selling. Because now you could do it and there'd be no copyright It would problem. be so funny, too. <laughs> and also a little later tonight, we're going to hear some of Tom's tunes. Yes. Uh, because Tom Appel... The publisher of Consumer Guide is going to be joining us, and we're going to talk about uh, a lot of interesting car stuff, including yep. one new law mm-hmm. that goes into effect in the state of Illinois that uh, that may impact you if you're building uh, a new house. Building a new house, yeah. Yep. So, whole lot coming up. So, stay with us at WGN. later when you cannot get this song out of your head because we've been singing it all day we three kings i mentioned a few minutes ago it's the epiphany it's three kings day or king day and a listener texts and says what is this kings you're speaking of Mm -hmm. so we turn to julian julian while you're here working is it true that your family is in fact celebrating three kings day they are they well they did and one of the things that they do to celebrate is the king cake? Yes, the king cake uh, in Spanish, it's called Rosca de Reyes. Ooh. Well, one more okay. time. Rosca de Reyes. Which means baby in a cake? <laughs> king. It's almost literally king cake. <laughs> well, there's a baby in the cake. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a baby in there. <laughs> And I learned something tonight because I've always known that leading up to Mardi Gras, that was the big deal about the purple and yellow frosting on the cake, the king yeah. cake, and there's a little baby. And if you get the baby, then that's good luck. And honestly, I never associated it with Three Kings Day, which is today, the 6th of January. As I said, 
to clarify to a listener, yesterday was the twelfth day of Christmas, like the song says. Right. My true love gave to me. It doesn't end on the twenty fifth of December. It goes for twelve days from mm-hmm. that point forward. So we were telling Julian that we had come across a, a, a neat piece by Lynn Manuel. It was. It's a YouTube video. You can uh, look it up. It was posted about three years, years ago. ago. He did it as a, a part of a fundraiser where he was explaining the importance of uh, Three Kings Day in his Puerto Rican heritage. And he established that at his school in New York, there were only four Puerto Rican kids. And they all bonded on the fact that they had this extra holiday where they actually got toys and gifts on Three Kings Day. And he explains that he and his dad, the morning, I guess the maybe on the the 5th of January, yeah. they would go out and they would get a shoebox full of grass mm-hmm. and he would put it next to his bed so that the camels that the three kings ride in on would have something for their camels to eat. So, so then on Three Kings Day, he wakes up and he's wondering, there was a camel in my bedroom eating this grass? And left me toys? Yeah. And then he would go to school because that the day can fall in the middle of the week and you're not yeah. going to get the day off school. He would go to school and he would bond with the order, other Puerto Rican kids because they're like, hey, look, we got more toys because we got this special holiday that nobody else celebrates. So I'm here to say we should all start celebrating this holiday. So, so, so what kind of things happen at your house? Uh, well, we don't do anything like that because Christmas is enough. That's enough gifts. <laughs> okay, you know, we're we're not twelve anymore. We don't need all these gifts. Yeah, and and camels are messy in the house. Yes. Yeah, and, and they right. they smell and they and they spit. I don't know or is that giraffes? They sound like. No, they spit too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but uh, we actually did take our tree down today. You did. Yeah, kind of symbolically, it's now over for the holidays yeah yeah pretty much it's sort of yeah yeah we, we still have our trees up uh johnny did take advantage of there was a uh earlier this week the weather was okay yeah and you went out and you de-decorated the, the outside, outside of, the of the house which i do not understand why it took me seven hours to decorate the outside of the house and it took me 93 minutes to take it down yeah it was like wow Part of it, I think, is pulling everything out and finding where I stashed it. Well, and also because this year it was easier for you to pull some of the light uh, sticks oh, out. Because gosh. last year they were frozen in the ground. Yes. But since we haven't had that kind of a frost this year, it was a whole lot easier. Absolutely. Because we um, decorate around the house with the, it looks like those big C7s, those big old light bulbs, but they're ginormous. And they're on stakes all around the house. If you saw our pictures from uh, Christmas, you, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. That was our theme outside. And there have been years when it was like late March and I'm still out there trying to work them out of the ground because yeah. they're frozen. Or April. Yeah, they're frozen into the ground. Um, And we're going to get a little bit of winter. Uh, We woke up this morning to some snow, and it was awfully nice. Uh, Just sad that our Joseph, who went back to California yesterday, didn't get to wake up to the amount of snow that we had this morning. I should post that picture that I took this morning. It was lovely. Yeah. I I just uh, And our trees will be up for for a while longer, just because that's how we roll. And especially (laughs) if it's going to be snowy this week. Yes. Yep, we're going to leave them up. Yeah, we're not going to be like we have been in previous years. Um, they won't uh, be up till April. No, no, because people yes, do talk. And there have been years when they were up till April. But we do have a year-round tree. That will stay up. It's oh, going yeah. to become the Valentine tree. Well, there's a couple year-round, year-round trees. trees. There is the yeah. guitar tree. 
that never True. goes away. Right. It has some new additions this year. Yep. And then there's the the Valentine tree that will go up in about a week, a week mm-hmm. and a half. And we got a couple of those, in fact. So out of nine trees, we will be left with three. So it won't be too difficult by the time we take everything And by down. the way, speaking of Valentine's Day, uh, buckle up because there will be the most uh, hellacious snowstorm for Valentine's Day during the auto show. Yep. That, it's a that's given. Just, it's tradition. Yep. Uh, speaking of weather, we're going to talk with Tracy Butler in just a couple minutes, yeah. and uh, we'll be back on WGN. In the summer, it is hot. In the winter, it is not. In the spring, there are flowers. In the autumn, there are showers. What's the weather? It's frosty. What's the weather? It's foggy altogether. That's the weather. Steve King and Johnny Butler at WGN Radio. We had to come up with a song to replace the three kings that was stuck in the jukebox of your mind. Yeah. (laughs) What's the weather? And that's the song that all of Tracy Butler's minions sing as she walks into the Channel 7 studios every morning. Well, last week they were all saying happy anniversary, and we are tickled to be able to say hey to Tracy Butler. Hey, Tracy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, now that song. Okay, you guys know I've been asleep for about three hours. I just woke up so I could join you. Uh Now that song, I'll be thinking about that as I try to fall back to sleep. That's so funny. Isn't that what they sing every morning when you walk? Because for people who don't know, Tracy is up really, really early in the morning. And uh, on Facebook, she does before she goes on mm-hmm. uh, Channel 7. Before the makeup, even. She mm-hmm. does a kind of a, uh, okay, here's a, here's what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm trying to put it, put it all together, yeah. but here's how it's shaking up, kids. And uh, and I'm, sadly, Tracy is, is getting up at that point, and I'm usually just going to sleep at that point. So <laughs> yeah. I usually see most of her early morning videos. So, Tracy, what, what time yeah. do you typically get up? One thirty. One thirty. So I get up at one thirty. I'm typically on the road by two. And when I walk into the studio, I'm the only person in there. So there's no one to greet me, basically. Um, but they're all up on working on the third floor newsroom. So uh-huh. um, I kind of stay on the first floor. But we have an incredible group of people who are just working overnight. The, oh, yeah. Um, the didn't you always call them the first shifters? That's right, yeah. It's a tour one. Tour one, because things could not happen during the day when the sun comes up if it was not for those people who are slaving away overnight in the wee hours when they'd much rather be sleeping. So That is so very true. Tracy became a regular part of our show over the years, and this is our one-year anniversary of Steve and Johnny 2.0. But Tracy was in the studio with us when we wrapped up our 27 years of doing full-time. That's right. Uh, and, in fact, Tracy can be seen on the video of people singing uh, We Get By with a little, a little help, help from, from our friends. friends. Yes, because because of your crazy work shift, you would listen to us on your way into work, and then we were fortunate enough that we were able to develop a relationship with you, and then sometimes we would drive by the studio to see you on our way home. And Tracy brought her, her brand-new Taylor guitar over when, yeah. she, when she got that. Are you playing guitar at all these days? I'm not. I mean, it's you know what? Life has a way of getting in the way of some of those things. But I will tell you what I have started doing. I've taken up bridge. Oh, really? <laughs> Let me think about this. Guitar or bridge? Guitar or bridge? Which way am I going? You need other people to play bridge. Yes, 
Yes, I know. Well, it was really, really funny. A group of gals that I hang out with, you know, we were talking about my my mother plays bridge, and I was sharing that story with them, and they're like, we need to keep our brains sharp. Let's start a bridge group. So we have a, a, a gal who is has been teaching us bridge, and she's been playing for a very long time, and it is a riot. But the thing is, we're such talkers, and with bridge, you really have to concentrate. Yeah. So, okay, you, you need to do a video of that. <laughs> yeah, of you guys playing bridge. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's loud and wild, and bridge is not supposed to be loud and no, wild. No, no. Now you're talking. Now I'm having fun, and 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 I wish, would imagine snacks also play a part in this, right? Oh my gosh, snacks! <laughs> are you kidding me? Yes, absolutely. That's a big role. That's and if you're you know if you're pushed, you may have to have an adult beverage. Yeah. Well. Considering we play at one in the afternoon, right? Yeah, You know what? That's seven o'clock for you. That's seven p.m. Yeah. since you've been up since one, right? It's so true. I mean, but that's the great thing. My friends are just, you know, they so understand. Wonderful. They really adhere to my schedule. Yeah, which is so fantastic. So I'm really blessed for that. But. But you know what? I would be really remiss, one, if I didn't congratulate the two of you on your one-year anniversary and for coming back to radio, you know, in a, on a much more permanent basis, shall we say, during the week, because I, you have no idea how much I miss you guys. Oh. I mean, you really kept me company for all those years, and so many people just just love the demeanor in which you on the radio and you know you just there's such a connection with the two of you and you're so both of you are so easy to form that connection and you just feel instantly like you're our friends so thank you for that thank you you. and and you're you're too nice and the, the same can be said for you because i cannot tell you the reaction we got as soon as we posted that you were going to be in the show i mean your fans are just oh my gosh we actually just just get to hear her talk and I think part of it is, thank, thankfully, we have social media so that we can develop that relationship with our listeners and our viewers and our fans. And they they really do feel like, you know, you're their buddy. And that's why they say to you, Tracy, what's the weather going to be? And you got to tell them personally what the weather's going to be. And, and we feel really lucky for being able to call you a friend for yeah. a, a long, long, well, for, for the past 30 years. Yes. <laughs> well... Believe me, YouTube really kind of put me on the map with social media because I was kind of a late gamer to the whole thing. And then listening to to Patrick's website Wednesday nights and everything and learning so much of uh, through through him and just, you know, you taught me a lot. And I'm grateful for that. And I mean, you introduced me to people like Jim Peterick, Mm -hmm. who's become a friend, and the Eyes of March, like... Those guys, first of all, they're the most philanthropic yeah. people, and so so kind and so gracious. And you know, I've just I've made so many connections and met so many people because of the two of you. So I well, know this sounds like a love fest, but too bad because it is. <laughs> yeah. We're talking with the Emmy Award-winning meteorologist for Channel Seven, Tracy Butler, and uh, Tracy. Johnny and I were were speculating on something as we were driving in tonight. Are we correct that 
Now, we, we have mentioned that Tom Skilling is going to be retiring probably in the next couple of weeks, but right. are you and Tom Skilling the longest full-time meteorologist at one TV station in Chicago? Well, you know, I know Brant Miller has been at Channel 5 for quite some time, and I don't know how long that is. I will say I know that I'm the longest-running female meteorologist uh-huh. in Chicago. Brent did a stint and, here on radio, and so I think you might beat him because he was here doing radio, not doing weather at that time. So, okay. yeah, we, we're just ready to to pass the crown to you <laughs> as yeah. being the longest. And, you know, the amazing thing is when when people and I know I know this happened to you the other day when you were celebrating your 30th anniversary, they're saying, was she 16, 15, 12 when she started? And you you actually started in West Virginia. Right, Tracy? I did. I did. My first weather job was at WTRF where you get the wheeling feeling. And that was our, you know, one of our signature lines uh-huh. back then. And, you know, when I was there, you know, we didn't have the technology that we have now. I mean, Doppler radar was just becoming a thing. Uh-huh. And we would get maps that were sent to us um, from the network. And then I would just basically talk over those maps. You know, now I kind of produce everything. Um, and, you know, draw all the maps and come up with all of the graphics that everybody sees mm-hmm. on the air. But, you know, I, my first weather job was back in, you know, 1988. And I'll never forget that year. And we were impacted here in the Chicago area, too. It was a very hot and dry summer. Yeah. It was an intense drought across much of the country. And so I was kind of thrown into it, if you will. Um, with something that was really major weather-wise that was affecting a good part of the country. So that's where I began, and then I went to Youngstown, Ohio, and I was there three and a half years, then I went to Richmond, Virginia, and then here I come back in 1994. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jerry Taft was in this market a very long time, and I just owe a great deal to Jerry and we always joked that, you know, I owed him 10% of my paycheck because he <laughs> saw me on Good Morning America. And he knew there was going to be an opening at our station. Oh. And he went to the general manager and said, we need to hire that gal. And here I am. Oh, I don't I dr- think I knew that part of the story. Yeah. That's yep. cool. Can I draw another comparison yeah. with, with you and Tom Skilling? Uh, to the best of my knowledge... Tom is doing what he what he does now and what he's done for years because he has a passion for it. The same is true of you. From our past conversations, th- this was more than a job to you. You had a passion for weather. Am I correct? Well, here's the thing. And first of all, I cannot, I never in my wildest dreams imagined that I would be mentioned in the same sentence as... <laughs> Tom Skilling. I mean, he is truly one of the most genuinely kind individuals. I, the first time I actually met him was at a weather conference, mm-hmm. and we flew back on the same flight together. But, I mean, he is just, he he's a rock star of weather, and <laughs> he, he, no, he really, really is. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, so many of us admire him in this business. You know, I think my passion really lies in the fact that 
I just want people to be prepared. And I've always said, especially when it comes to children, and I've heard from many children over the years, and and one youngster very recently, in fact, who was just really afraid of thunderstorms. Hmm. And I've always had a motto, don't be scared, be prepared. And so I think when it comes to weather, it is, I take it very seriously. And, you know, we try to have some fun with it, too. But I just want people to be prepared and not be afraid of it because knowledge is power. And the more you know about it and the more I can help you to learn more about it, um, you can be prepared and you don't have to be scared of it. And I know there are, you know, situations where we, we find, especially some young people um, who deal with that. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to, in essence, be a little bit of a teacher. And that's really important to me. Can I share a story with you from my childhood when I was a a mini kid? And I remember the night to this day, it was a hellacious storm, thunder, boom, crash. And my mom started telling me this story about, well, now, don't be afraid of that. The angels are bowling. (laughs) And you're hearing the angels making strikes. And I thought, oh, okay, I bought it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Don't go there, Tracy, okay? (laughs) Well, wait, no, she's right. I, mean, I, I, I hope you believed it. Yeah, yes. I, st- I still do. <laughs> I do. I, I do love the fact that you've been doing Weather Sketchers Club forever because, again, that's also addressing children and letting them mm-hmm. get excited about weather in a positive way instead of being fearful. Because I, honestly, I I think of when I was a kid. Believe it or not, there was a guy in Chicago. I can remember clearly remember watching his weather forecast and and they were so basic back then a hundred years ago pj hoff was his name yes and i love i love pj hoff because we had the same initials i'm jp he's pj (laughs) so my very first science fair demonstration was a trifold box a box that i made into three pieces and it was all the clouds and i just knew pj hoff would love me for that (laughs) Oh, my God, so but, that he did. And see, that just goes to show that when you take the fear out of it and, and you're approaching it from the creative uh, mm-hmm. angle with the kids because you're saying draw pictures and then you make them rock stars by putting up their pictures and putting out their name. And that is so cool. So thank you for doing that. Well, you know what? I actually, I actually started that program when I was at, a, at the TV station back in Youngstown, Ohio, and it was a time when a lot of schools were shutting down their music and their art programs. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I know, and I recognize, you know, as much as we want every child to be brilliant in math and and science, and not discounting those things at all. Believe me, they're extremely important. But there are some children who really learn through creativity, and they excel at that. And it's really, really important for me to make them realize that those skills are very, very important, Mm -hmm. too. So let's nurture that. And so I took that to my station in Richmond, Virginia, and I brought it here. And I, you know, I've had thousands of drawings over the years. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you've been in a place a long time when a grandparent says, I was one of your weather sketchers, <laughs> and now my grandchild. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, as long as we've known you, I don't know that I've ever asked you this, but, but just from, from the things you're saying tonight, if you hadn't 
gone into meteorology. Would you have wanted to be a teacher? Well, I would have wanted to be Stevie Nicks, but I don't think I would have <laughs> to do that. <laughs> or in Tom Petty's um, band. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because as you know, when I, my brother Mark and I, who has a band now, but yeah, he and I dabbled in having a band, yeah. and I was the drummer. And our band name was No Vacancy because we had dreams that if we got it, we made it big, there would be no vacancy at our shows. <laughs> but yeah, that I love that. <laughs> well, seriously, did did you think you would go into music when you were younger? If you if if you had not imagined yourself as a TV uh, meteorologist in seventh grade, and I think this is why maybe I have such an attachment to the two of you. In seventh grade, I grew up listening to a man who was a legend of Pittsburgh radio. His name was Jack Bogut, and I listened to him every morning going to school when I was getting ready for school. And eventually I wrote him a fan letter saying, Mr. Bogut, you know, I listen to you all the time. And quite frankly, you know, most of the kids were listening to the local rock radio station, and I was listening to, you know, this talk radio on a legendary radio station, KDK Radio, the first commercial station broadcast station in the world mm-hmm. um, back in 1920. Um, so I wrote him a fan letter, and he um, had his secretary call me to oh. ask me to ask my parents. I was I was pulled out of school and called to the principal's office, and I was like. <sighs> frightened beyond belief because I never got called to the principal's office. Well, it was the secretary from for Mr. Bogut who asked if I could um, ask my parents if it would be okay if he called me at home um, to talk to me. And I'll never forget that. Oh. And that's why it's really important to me to, you know, whenever a child reaches out to me, you know, through the weather sketchers, you know, that, you know, I, I acknowledge that. And you know, through social media, so many people have messaged me over this anniversary, and I've tried so hard to get back in yeah. some form or fashion to as many as possible, and, and, and I haven't succeeded in that accomplishment, but I'm working on it. But, um, you know, I'll never forget that. And so it was through radio, I always knew that somehow I was going to be in broadcasting. Oh, that is and it was because of this man on the radio. And by the way, for anybody who was half listening, no, Tracy was not listening in back in 1920. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, that's such a wonderful story. We could go on all night with you, but we're going to let you go back to bed. And this this will be like a dream for you. You're just going to work it into your 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 next few hours of rest. But but I think with, with your background for your next anniversary, I think Channel Seven should let you in the middle of your weather forecast do a drum solo. Oh, oh baby. <laughs> Then people may switch the channel, and I don't know. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Happy anniversary. And thank you for being our friend over the years. It's just been such a pleasure oh, to know you and to have you, you on Tracy. the radio. We do love you. I, I adore the two of you. I adore you with all my heart. Thank you so much for having me and for asking me to be a part of your one-year anniversary. Well, sweet dreams. Good night. Good night. <laughs> it's Tracy. And I wonder Butler. how long it's going to take her to put down the phone and go... <laughs> Yeah, she's probably a pro at that now. We're going to talk with Steve Burness from the Better Business Bureau right here on WGN. Because if you mind your own business, then you won't be minding mine.
Steve King and Tony Putman at WGN Radio. Mind your own business. Or bidness. Bidness. Mind your own bidness. Right now, we are going to visit with President and Chief Executive Officer of the Better Bidness Bureau of Chicago and Northern Illinois. He is the one and only Steve Burness. And Steve Burness, Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, Steve. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Good evening. Can we start with a goofy story that uh, news has been covering, but there's another angle that the Better Business Bureau can speak to, and that is the Stanley Cup fad. And I did a poll at the top of the show to ask the guys about the Stanley Cup, and you could tell immediately they respond, hockey. I immediately thought uh, Blackhawks, hockey, yeah. (laughs) But there's this craze for this ginormous tumbler made by Stanley, and Target had a limited number of them available for Galentine's Day. People, women, stood in line at the crack of dawn to get these things, and because of their popularity, of course, they sold out, and then the Better Business Bureau became aware of scams. Am I right, Steve? It happens all the time, Johnny, exactly. Uh, It's a marketer's dream for this, and a scammer's dream as well, then. Basically, what happens, like you said, they're all sold out and quickly sold out, and they were a sought-after item, and everybody wanted them, so they started going online, and all of a sudden, these fake websites started appearing. And what makes it, uh, they're saying that they, you got the get, you got the Tumblr, it was sending it to you, and then basically, a few days later, it goes dark, the websites go dark, and uh, there's no Tumblr, they got your credit card number. Ooh. And basically, they're just trying to steal your identity or steal your credit card number. That they have nothing to give to you, but it's like any hot item, like the Taylor Swift tickets or anything like that, or in the older days, the Tickle Me Elmo's and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. The scammer, you know, listens to the radio as well and, uh, and goes after the hot items. So isn't one of the important, the important takeaways from this that in most cases, if you want a thing, get that thing from the source of that thing? Exactly. So basically, it's trusted sources that you know and trust. So a lot of times, consumers just go online and, and quickly looking for it, and, they, and they're, it's just a, such a hot item, they want to grab the first thing they see, and they don't want to lose it, so they get onto it. So yeah, you got to check out that retailer or whomever even if it's online and TikTok and all those other platforms. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that's why people think they're safe, because they're on main websites. But the scammers infiltrate every website in some way, shape, or form. So you got to be careful on that side and do the research on the company. Well, ironically, it was about three weeks before Christmas. Steve is in the office, and he said, Hey, honey, come here. And I came into the office, and he was looking at our computer screen, and I could see that there was a a piece of women's clothing there. And he said, I was just going to buy this for you, and I got a funny feeling about it. And I looked at it, and I said, oh, no, get away from there. That is not a legitimate site. And then I saw that uh, similar things were coming up in my Facebook feed, and I clicked on them. And I did a little bit of research, and when I I looked at about I want to say about at least four of these, and they were all coming from the same source, even though they were branded differently. They mm-hmm. were all originating from the same scam source. So I immediately called our credit card company to be sure that nothing had gone through with this company. And the woman I spoke to said, "Oh yeah, I know that company. We're getting a lot of those." So again, they look so legitimate. It's really scary. 
it is scary. They look so legitimate, and they pop up, and they look great. You know, reduced yeah. prices and too good to pass up, and you don't know, you know who's behind that site. And usually there are just a several uh, different organizations and using all different types of names, and they're all tied in together in some way, shape, or form. And then before you catch on to them, they close up shop and they open another website. Yeah. So, I mean, there's billions of websites out there, and unfortunately the scammers are grabbing onto something that makes it look like a legitimate website. In the old days, it was, you know, you couldn't tell by the, you could tell by the grammar mm-hmm. or something else. And now they just are picture perfect. In essence, it, you can't tell the difference. And can, uh, yeah, within, can I add the, uh, something that, that makes it to us even more frustrating? So this was Facebook. I was seeing all these things coming up. And as I said, I saw at least four of them. Today, on Facebook, on our Stephen Johnny show page, we decided to change a profile picture. We changed the picture. We get this message from Facebook saying, oh, well, that picture won't be posted for a while. It may take us at least uh, three, the, days. Many, three days to check to verify that. And my thought is, why the heck aren't you doing that with all this other stuff? These fake companies. That's a good question we have for Facebook and all the others is because the scammers are so good. They open up those sites real quickly, and they, they buy ads, and there's yeah. a lot of money involved in those ads, and those ads appear and usually you know, pop up. Those are not fake coming through Facebook. I mean, it's proper itself. They're coming through a third party buying ads on Facebook, so there's a, a lot of money in that, Stephen Johnny, and that's why those ads continue to go, and that's why they get the first placement up on top. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the scammers. I mean, sometimes you you know look up Facebook, and then you get a a scam Facebook look up and it gets you to a site and says you have, you know, spam and mail or anything here, click here, we'll help you. And, and they're, they're attacking you in that way. So you got to be very careful what you're doing and be careful what you're clicking on uh, because it can have just one, you know, simple character change that can steer you to a third party site that can, you know, lock the computer, yep. put malware on it. And if it, you don't think it works, remember that police station about seven years ago had to pay the, uh, this uh, spammer, to get their files back at the police station. Yeah. So it works for the, it does work. Well, there have even been hospitals that have had their records right. held hostage for large sums of money. And that's scary because I, I, I hear you saying, and you've said this every time you've been on the radio with us, when it comes to your personal identity, it's not if it will be stolen, it's when, right? Correct. And it happened to me. It happened to previous Attorney General Lisa Madigan. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't stop it. You can take safeguards necessary to try to prevent it, but somewhere there's going to be a data breach somewhere. So you always got to be uh, watchful and cognizant of what's happening with your information. Don't give your information up to anybody. If somebody calls you and saying they're from, you know, ComEd, United Airlines, XYZ company, whatever, but we need your account number, your Social Security yeah. number. And that's what you got to be careful of because the caller ID can be manipulated and you think it's, you're talking to somebody else and you're not. And as soon as you give that information, they just build a profile in you, uh, Johnny, and uh, they just keep uh, building that profile until one day they will steal your identity and, and use it against you. And it can take years to correct uh, identity theft. I mean, I've seen some cases go on, you know, five, six years, unfortunately. Hmm. I was looking at a, uh, it was a computer site today. And they had an interesting suggestion. They said all of us should probably, maybe at least once a week, reboot our router, reboot our computer. Because what you do, you do two things. One, you can potentially speed up the process on all of it. 
two, you can potentially get rid of some old sites and uh, some erroneous information that may have been stored if you then you're you're rebooting, you're clearing it out, and you're now you're going to hmm. to the correct sites. Well, that sounds easy enough to do. <laughs> that is always a good idea to click those things and you know shut it down every once in a while, and it clears up your cache and all the information you have in your systems. And uh, there's a lot of privacy settings on your each computer's different, so I can't speak on one particularly, but. Mm-hmm. You go to your settings and, you know, remove cookies every time you exit. There's a lot of things you can do to help your privacy. Just look at your privacy settings and make them as strong as possible because the scammers are being strong as well, and they're going to mm-hmm. try to take that information from you. And but, sometimes search engines. For example, I uh, periodically I, I will help my brother with his blog, and I'll be adding some things to his blog. And I, every night after we're done with the computing, I will run a program that allows me to get rid of cookies and malware and stuff like that. The norm for me is I will find, oh, somewhere between maybe 80 and 100 things. After I'm doing searches for some of the specific things, this may be operas, it may be personalities, whatever. The other night I found 803. After just so search engines, oh boy, are they going to? And once you go to those sites, every site you go to says, "Now you agree to accept our cookies," and blah 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 blah. And then it's on your computer. So, so to your point, yeah, always run these programs and clean your cache. Steve, exactly. clean it because they follow you around. They know where you're at. They yeah. know what you're looking at, and that's why you see the same picture come up a day later or an hour later, and. They just follow you around, so you got to take the step necessary to clear those caches and clear that memory. We're talking with Steve Burnus. He is the president and chief executive officer of the Better Business Bureau of Chicago and Northern Illinois. And we're covering a, a lot of ground about uh, scams you should be aware of and other things. And I want to talk about robocalls because I think that's a given, just like the possibility of your identity being stolen is very real. The possibility that you're going to get robocalls is so real, and it's only going to get worse. And I hear people say all the time, well, why do you even take those calls if you don't recognize the number? Well, if I'm expecting a call back from, say, a uh, hospital, I was trying to make an appointment, and they said, instead of you holding on the line, we'll call you back. Well, they call back at a number I don't recognize, so when the phone rings, I pick it up. And, Steve, I've got to share with you what happened to me before Christmas. I was waiting for that very call from a hospital I was trying to make an appointment. I picked up the call, and it became very obvious to me that this was not the call I was waiting for, because there was that long pause, and then a human comes on. And in a very chipper voice, he starts talking, and I said, oh, 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 excuse me. I said, I don't know how you sleep at night, because obviously you are trying to pull something over on me. <laughs> and Steve, he, he, he was quiet, and then all of a sudden he said, hey, lady, they pay me to scam you, okay? <laughs> and then he hung up. And I was standing wow. there looking at my phone with my mouth open. I was like, wow, he just admitted it. And then, of course, yeah. when I, I shared that with my friends, they were like, well, why did you pick up the call? I know, that's the perfect world, right, Steve? You don't pick up calls from numbers that you don't recognize. Exactly. You let it go to voicemail, and, and hopefully uh, they won't leave a message, but sometimes they do, and you can do the research on them mm-hmm. by looking at that. But it's getting to a point, stop you know, answering those texts from unknown sources, oh, yeah. and those, uh, you know, all those different 
postings and things of that nature coming from a source you don't know. If you didn't make the call, you know, obviously don't you know answer it because you never know where it's actually going. If you think it's from your bank, then go to your then go to your bank directly or your mortgage company because they send it to everybody and they're hoping that you are an XYZ of company or yeah. bank uh, client. And sometimes you are, and then, oh, it's got to be for my bank, and it's not. So it's best to go to the bank directly itself or the mortgage company, and they'll understand why you're calling them because they don't want to, they don't want you to get scammed as well. And this is nonstop. And I mean, our scam tracker at the Better Business Bureau keeps uh, scams uh, track of them all across North America, just continuously getting more and more data. And it's like I've been doing this for 36 years, and and, and still, I, I keep saying this, it's, it's the scams are getting more and more complex and hmm. they're getting more better. They're getting better at what they're doing and, and they're fooling a lot more people. And the only way to put scams out of business, Steve and Johnny, as you know, is not to give your business. The government can't help you. You know, the police can't help you. The judges can't help you because the scammers are so good. They know how to get around everybody. There was a time when we talked quite a bit about the National Do Not Call Registry list. Is that still functioning? Is that still worthwhile to get your number associated with the Do Not Call Registry? It is. You should do that as well all the time. But these scammers don't care. They're they're thieves. They don't. They're not in the U.S. Yeah. So they just they call from any number, and so they get around it that way. So the FTC always says file a complaint against them, but. Those those numbers are gone in a couple of days. They're just burn burner phones, as they call them, and they just make those calls. They manipulate caller ID so they can say they're calling from WGN Radio and they're not. Mm-hmm. And the FCC has been working on that for many years, and they still haven't figured that part out. The spoofing of the caller ID and people still believe that caller ID is truly that that person behind it. It's not the case, as we all know. So I guess the the only way around that is if you get a call that says it's from WGN Radio, rather than answering that call, call WGN Radio and say, did you call me? Right. Exactly. That's the key is they want you to, you know, call. They want you to answer the phone and they don't want you to do any checking on them. So that's why you should call, you know, whoever that caller ID on the numbers, you know, as well. And it, and it applies to somebody coming to your house. We have fake utility workers going around through Chicago <sighs> and Elgin and other areas. They say they're from utility and they knock on your door and they take you downstairs and look at your wires and somebody comes in and ransacks your home. So mm. you still got to check people that are coming to your house. You never let anybody in your house the first time you meet them because you still got to do reference checks on them or checking on them and you got to get two or three bids anyway. Mm-hmm. You're not going to let them do the work. And they're saying they're from utility, just uh, saying, you know, don't let them in and call the utility company directly. Do you have people in my area? And they'll say it's an emergency. Well, then call 911 if it's an emergency then. And would you agree with something that, that I've that I've been suggesting to Johnny to do? Anytime, if she is going to answer one of these calls, go ahead and click on it. Say nothing. You don't want to say yes. And you want to wait to see what they say first. Because if you say anything, they can. There are ways. We've talked about this before. They can grab your voice. They can manipulate it. Blah blah right. blah. But I think if you say nothing, aren't you, um, aren't you making it a little more difficult for them to do what they want to do? 
Exactly. You never want to talk to them. You just want to, you know, obviously not talking at all is a great idea. Uh, but if you do answer and say yes, and then they know it's a live call, and then that phone number is more valuable to them. They can sell it to somebody else because Steve and Johnny answered his phone, so it's a live phone. Somebody's going to answer it. So it's the point where you just don't answer the phones and let it go to voicemail, and hopefully that person will leave a voicemail if it's an important and urgent call. If it's yeah. somebody on your contact list, that's different. Obviously, but again, with the AI technology and, the, and using your voice, they can you know take your voice off a of Facebook post or off the radio or anything, yeah. and they can manipulate it as well. So every family should have a code word. Uh, what I mean by that, so you don't get those calls in the middle of the night that somebody's been in an accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got to wire us money uh, because they're out of town or somewhere else. If you have a code word, this way you know it's that person because you only give your family member that code word. Absolutely. And I feel guilty because I'm listening to you two Steves saying what you should never ever do and the conversation that I attempted to have with a robocaller was everything you should not do, people. It gave me satisfaction to have him tell me that he was going to try to scam me, but the reality is I talked to him, which was stupid, and don't do as I did. Because then, of course, he was going ching ching we've got a live one here yeah. let's sell this phone yeah. number ah. but i use myself as an example so don't do as i did <laughs> uh, so the better business bureau uh, we're starting the new year um robocalls um just scams in general because uh, cr- criminals are just so dang smart it's scary because they're doing things and we <sighs> And authorities are trying to catch up with them. And as you said, we still haven't even figured out how they're manipulating caller ID. And once we do, that's going to be huge. But we have to assume that they're incredibly smart and they're out to get us. So for this new year, what's the other things that we should look out for? Uh, you got a minute to tell us, be aware, this is something that you should not do or you should do in the new year. Oh, we have five quick things I'll go through. Resolve to always research companies before doing business with them. Don't do the work after to realize you've been scammed. Do it ahead of time. Check with the Better Business Bureau and other sources about the business. Watch out for imposters. Everybody says there's somebody else. What I mean by that, if they're saying they're calling from ComEd or calling from People's Gas or, or Amazon, something's wrong with your account. Watch out for those imposters. Call the company itself and look, don't look at caller ID because that can be manipulated. And unconventional forms, payments, that's the tip-off to the rip-off, Stephen Johnny. Somebody asks you to pay by Bitcoin or by gift card mm. or something like that. Uh, don't do it because uh, that's a quick way of them getting money from you quickly. Number four is to be uh, widespread uh, romance scams. Uh, we oh. see it time and time again. People fall in love without meeting somebody, and also they need money. The tip-off to the rip-off on those is if you haven't met them and they need money for some reason, uh, that's a scammer, and they're not probably not uh, truly a person who they say they are on romance scams. We see people lose their life savings. Mm-hmm. And number five, to be re- resolved to be cautious with text, emails, and phone calls, as we just talked about. Please don't answer your phone calls, Johnny. Please don't answer your text <laughs> messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, call the company itself directly. Um, 99.9% of those text messages are fake and fraudulent. You didn't win a prize. You're not going to get a gift certificate if you click here. And the bank's not going to, uh, the IRS is not going to come and arrest you, Johnny, in 30 minutes because you didn't pay your tax. Right, right. But one of the things you mentioned, the, uh, oh, you just won a prize. I am getting 
I want to say at least 10 of those every single day. Uh, yes. J.C. Penney, Coles, whoever. Hey, you've just won this uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And I, I kind of look at the specific address, and it's uh, nine times out of ten a fake address. Well, you could but, have a whole garage of new tools if you responded yeah. to all of these things. Oh, so. boy. Uh, what address would you like to send our listeners to, Steve? Our website is bbb.org. And again, there's a lot of great businesses out there. So go to our website. We're a referral agency. We can help you find businesses that you can trust and look for the BBB seal, which mm-hmm. is a sign of a better business. But everything's on bbb.org. Report scams to us. If you have a complaint, let us know. We can help you on that as well. Well, thanks a million for joining us tonight and kicking off the new year for us, Steve. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Steve. My, my, pleasure. my pleasure. Thank you so much. A lot of good information. And, and again... Don't do as I did. Yes. <laughs> but yes. it was so rewarding to have him admit that he was just paid to scam me. See this woman sitting next to me? Don't do what she did. I, 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 Don't do what she yeah. did. Okay. <laughs> We're going to take a break here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Now, a significant portion of you are wondering, what the heck is that and why are they playing that? Or it may sound vaguely familiar. That is a version of the the theme song from Steamboat Willie. The early Mickey Mouse, who, as of January 1st, belongs to all of us. You are going to see Steamboat Willie everywhere on t-shirts you're going to see him on social media in all different forms some of them downright naughty because the copyright on steamboat willie has been lifted so now it belongs in public domain we wanted to spend some time and talk about that and talk to a guy who is affected by these types of laws because he is a cartoonist, an illustrator, a designer. He's an all-around creative, and he's a pop culture historian. He's our buddy Jim Angle. And Jim, thank you for joining us tonight on the radio. Hey, Jim. Oh, hi, hi you guys. I'm, hi. I'm always happy to join on the radio. Thank now, you. Now, I'm going to issue a, a full disclaimer right off the bat. We're about to get into an area where... I absolutely agree with Jim's stance on this, and there, and oh boy, are we in the minority. Uh, yeah. But but let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, Steamboat Willie now public domain, and you wrote something right. that I thought was fascinating on your Facebook page a couple weeks ago. And could you yeah. explain to us what that was and the reaction you had to it? Well, I, you know, I just noticed that all of a sudden everybody was posting about Steamboat Willie, you know, everywhere. And this sort of attitude of like, hey, on January 1st, we all get to own Steamboat Willie, which kind of begs the question as to what the American public, the average person has no interest in owning Steamboat Willie and won't own Steamboat Willie in any way other than the fact that we're told we own him. But it, it just started to bother me that it was just so, there was all this gloating about it from people that struck me as, well, first of all, non-creative people. I mean, that's that's largely where I think a lot of it comes from. Um, and uh, it's always bugged me. It's kind of, it bugged me a few years ago when it came up with the uh, with the first Winnie the Pooh book by A.M. A. A. Milne. And mm-hmm. Pooh is like one of my favorite books my whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like where, the, the, the whole idea, I think, really started to gall me. It's like, 
Okay, I write a book, I make a cartoon, I you know write a song, I make a painting, I take a photograph, whatever it is, any any sort of creative endeavor. And just because, and I, and I should qualify this by saying that everything I think about this is completely in opposition to what the Constitution says about it, but mm-hmm. I don't, I've heard all the arguments, they don't make any sense to me. So I do all that, and then just based on some arbitrary time limit that the government has put on it, at a certain point, my work is surrendered up to the whole rest of the world to do whatever they want with it. But there's no correlation in every other aspect of life. You know, if I buy a house or I build a house, and in a hundred years my house is still standing, it's not suddenly the doors aren't thrown open for the general public to come into my house and do what they want with it. And I just think that I think I think art is you know intellectual property, and I think it should be treated more like property. And so the only thing that should happen to it is that it's mine until I die or bequeath it to somebody else, or in the case of, like, the Disney studios, sell it, you know, sell a a property to them or whatever. And then it's their job to maintain the copyright and do what they want with it, and it's their property. The the weird thing about this to me is that, uh, well, number one, I think there's a lot of, a lot of the gloating is that people just like to see the Disney Corporation get, you know, get their way. And I, I will have to say, as a lifelong Disney fan and someone who took, you know, so much inspiration in, in, in my area from Disney, I loved the Disney company as a kid, you know, but I, 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 I hold no respect for it, really, to be honest, today. But I still, at the same time, say they own it. And if they don't want to release cartoons or shorts or any of the things that collectors want to see because mm-hmm. it hasn't been seen in so many years, that's their right. Even if, no matter how much I want to see it, I don't, my right doesn't trump theirs, in my view. Mm-hmm. And... um so I, I mean, it's it's just it's just craziness. Now, when I posted it, I uh, immediately got a lot of. I'm with you 100. percent I agree completely. It's ridiculous. Blah blah blah. All of those responses came. I know. I started to note from um, artists, cartoonists. One, well, there was one photographer, Disney, and I'm a Facebook friends with a couple of actual Disney animators. Anybody who would be resentful if their work was taken away and told them. Now, granted, people say this, but you're not going to live to see it. I've seen a lot of these arguments, too. It doesn't matter if I live to see it. I have descendants, or I have yeah. or I sell it before I die, so my descendants said, whatever. Why, because it's creative, is it different than you know a car, a house, or anything else, a building? And and I, the argument largely is that I that they have is that uh, it was set up that way so that for a certain period of time you basically have a monopoly on the profits that come from it. But then it sort of serves society in some way to allow people to build. <laughs> I, I resent this idea idea too to build on it or whatever develop mm-hmm. it. Now that might be true in the case of medicine or something, but in the case of Steamboat Willie or Mickey Mouse. Um, the knockoffs of Mickey Mouse began right after Mickey Mouse became popular. You know, Warner Brothers had a character called Foxy in cartoons, early cartoons, early sound cartoons, mm-hmm. that looked almost exactly like Mickey yeah. Mouse. They just managed to crop, crop them in the frame quite frequently so the pointed tops of his round ears were not visible. Um, so you didn't have to own Steamboat Willie, or it didn't have to be public domain for people to learn from it, to build on it, or any of that. Yeah. You don't have to do that with any kind of art. You could be inspired by a painter or a songwriter without their work being owned by the general public. Now, the one thing I will say is, and because the other criticism that Disney gets like crazy you know, every day about this is like, well, they made some Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, and they made uh, early Red Riding Hood cartoons, and they drew upon stuff that was public domain. Right. Yes, they did. 
but it was public domain. I do think that, uh, you know, if you don't maintain your own copyrights and you don't, you know, completely re-register them every time you're supposed to, then I would compare that to like, hey, I'm not paying the property tax on my house. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The city's going to come over. But as long as they do, so most of these instances, all the instances being leveled at Disney as criticism, are cases of, of people that didn't maintain their copyrights. You know, the, the I looked this up right before I talked to you. Guys. The Brothers Grimm, they passed on their copyrights to Wilhelm Grimm's son, Hermann, and then it lapsed in 1893. Okay, mm-hmm. well, it lapsed in 1893, you know. You, you guys have probably seen, I'm sure you have over the years, when particularly when VHS was very popular, you could buy videotapes of like 100 cartoons, Bugs Bunny, this mm-hmm. and that. Sure. And they would all be public domain cartoons. Those were cartoons where studios, for whatever reason, didn't renew the copyright on them. Sometimes because in the current climate they would be considered, you know, um, racist or questionable in that way. There's even a couple of Mickey Mouse cartoons. There's mm-hmm. one called The Mad Doctor that's like a horror cartoon that they didn't renew the copyright on. So you, that'll turn up left and right. Well, that's their fault. As much as I defend Disney and Steamboat Willie, that's, you know, too bad for you. You need to at least maintain what your rights are the way that you're supposed to maintain them. But beyond that, I just don't get it. So my experience was that people who are creative people all seem to get it, you know, and the people who don't get it are the people I don't that seem to me to gain from what I really view as somebody else's work. So it's like you had absolutely nothing to do with it. I, I agree. Nothing to do with it. Why should I have any right to it in any way, shape or form? And, you know, one of the... Uh, one of the first headlines I saw on a, on a, on a Facebook animation site the next day or, or, was, uh, congratulations, we now all oh. own a historic Mickey Mouse curtain. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just recoil at that. I'm like, what? what? Well, okay, that, that, I have to hit the pause button. Uh, we got to take a break. But we're going to come back and uh, want to expand on that. And we're, we're using Steamboat Willie as the example, because it is the most recent, most public, uh, most publicized example of copyright expiration. But right. there are a whole lot of other examples. We'll get into that and a lot more. Stay with us at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. That's the original Mickey Mouse Club theme. Uh, we're talking with Jim Engel, a noted cartoonist, illustrator, designer, and, and we're talking about copyright law, copyright expiration, and we're spinning off from the Steamboat Willie copyright becoming now public domain. And as we were driving in tonight, Johnny and I were talking about this, and I don't know, uh, you said that creatives fall on one side of this issue. I don't know how creative I am, but I fall on the side of the issue that says this is nonsense. And one of the things I was wondering is some people say, well, this allows for other people to take something that had been created by someone else and be creative with it. Okay, I don't know if anyone has ever done a survey, but I wonder what the percentage is of people who have actually taken something, and we'll go with uh, Pooh Bear. 
and done something creative with it, even though I didn't care for it, as opposed to over in Great Britain, when early rock and roll records became public domain, there were a ton of companies, for example, who had nothing to do with Elvis Presley's early records, who were suddenly putting out Elvis Presley's early records under their name and making money, money. selling them. And they did nothing other than say, okay, I got this. Here's mine. Buy it. Give me money. And I don't understand that. I don't like it. Uh, and you can give me all the all of the, well, here's what the framers of the Constitution meant. Well, what, Fine. Uh, I, I disagree but, with them. So that's what I don't understand. And Jim, maybe you have some insight into this. What were the framers of the Constitution thinking when they said there will be a limited period of time at which you will own your own creative endeavor, and then it's going to be given to the public so they can benefit from it? I mean, do we know what they were thinking back then? And, and uh, well, just before you answer, do we know was the United States the first to do this, or was this kind of copyright expiration going on in, in other Europe? countries? Hmm. Yeah, well, when, when, when I spoke to Johnny about coming on with you guys, the first thing I said is I'm not any kind of expert on copyright law. I, I, I've heard, like I said, I've heard all the explanations. I, I just don't agree with any of it. I, it seems very arbitrary to me. How did the, how did they decide mm-hmm. um, in this many years it's okay for you to not own it anymore and other people to, quote-unquote, build on it? Um, apparently, if a, something is corporate-owned, corporate, corporate owned, right now it's 95 years from the publication date. But it's if it's individually owned, like an author or something, it's the author's life plus seventy years. I mean, that couldn't seem more arbitrary to me. If the, if the whole idea is so so based on we have to be able to build on this and stuff like that, then it's like, well, how did you get to that number? Like, well, yeah. why isn't it five years? Why isn't it a thousand years? I mean, like, what do you what do you base it on? Um, you know, and Steve a minute ago you said, you know, I, you don't know if anybody's ever actually taken something like poo or something and done something with it. I mean, I guess Disney proved that. Disney took the old um, Grimm's fairy tales and stuff and right. did turn them into something that we all like and probably like more than if we were reading those books. So it does happen. But whenever I hear these things, and I, I, this, I bristle at this with everything, like something's being rebooted, reimagined, this or that. For me, in large part, anything, any pop culture thing that's come from my, my youth or childhood or whatever, whether it's you know Looney Tunes or Marvel Comics or whatever it is, Anytime I see the word reboot or reimagining or re, you know, redone for a new generation, I know I will hate it, and I generally do. Now, you could just say, well, you're just, you're just an old fart, you know, but yeah. generally I just think, like, why don't, you, if you're, if, why don't you really test this and create something of your own? Do you know yes. what I mean? Instead of, like, twisting Huckleberry Hound or something like that into something else. And, you know, the funny thing about this, I, I, my own observation, is this kind of stuff doesn't, just generally doesn't work. Like, for example, I don't know how many years it's been, maybe 10 years ago, somebody made a live-action underdog movie, okay? It wasn't based on the cartoon at all. It just had a recognizable name. So if you were an adult going to see this with your kids, there's no way, and you had liked underdog, there's no way this would please you on any level. By the same token, your kids didn't need it to be called underdog in order, you know, in order to like what they what they mm-hmm. showed. So you know, you get this all this constant revamping, redeveloping of everything because it's so much easier to take a name that is, has got some recognition value, even if you're not going to do anything similar with it at all, than to start from scratch. But 
that drives me crazy just as well. And what will happen with this, I mean, people have said this, more people than me, but what happened with Winnie the Pooh immediately? Yeah. You know, a real blight horror movie was made. Yeah. There's yeah. already a rumor that that's being done with Steve Will. I'm sure it will be. But that that also, I recoil against that because I just, I'm really put off by the sort of tendency that people have to take something sweet and wholesome and pervert it and yep. twist it into something awful. You know, it's like, that's like the first thing people want to do with something. And, it, and it's like, the, it's almost like it's some kind of abuse in my mind but yeah. <laughs> and, and my my argument to some people who say oh you just don't like these something awful things my argument to them is create your own oh, original yeah. something exactly. awful be as awful Do as that. you want yeah. right have a nice day i don't even have any I don't even have any problem with it in the sense if it's a parody, because then I can walk away from it. What I hate about it is when it's legitimately done with the characters. You know, yes. like the Disney Lone Ranger movie of several years ago with Johnny Depp or something. It was literally a Lone Ranger movie, and it was a real abomination. Mm-hmm. But if somebody had said, well, we're going to, I don't know, you know, make a Lone Stranger movie or something, and it was a parody, then I really don't care mm-hmm. what, what they do with it. I can stay away from that without even being bothered by it particularly, you know? In fact, you make me but, think of um, Mad Magazine, who actually did a, uh, a comic parody of The Lone Ranger, and they called it The Lone Stranger, and it was oh, hilarious. Yeah, I, yeah, I do that one. Yeah, Starchy, <laughs> Superman, Superman. <laughs> Superman. Yeah. Go ahead, Go ahead and do that. It was yes. clear that it's not the real thing. You're just, you're just doing something... And there's no, there's no reason anything. Nothing has to be in the public domain for you to do that either. You know, none of the none of the things that Mad the comic book was poking fun at were in the public domain. I mean, I guess they did fairy tales once in a while, but most of it was comics. You know, comics and comic strips. So you can do that. And, 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 but this is this whole story is so huge, and in a way, you know, recognize it means nothing to the vast majority of people other than some weird notion that somehow I own Steamboat Willie. But it's like nobody's going to do anything with that. And you could have seen Steamboat Willie, yes, you know, on, on December thirty first. Now you can see it now. It's not, part well, of the argument is a lot of the people are. You know, I'm a, I am a something. You know, I think of myself as an animation historian. You know, I love cartoons. I want to see everything I could see. But I, I seem to part company with a lot of these people when it comes to, like, I don't have any right to see it. You know, somebody said, oh, well, uh, Disney, they've, t- they've done a terrible job of maintaining their shorts, your short cartoon library, their shorts library, and being able to see it. And I'm like, well, that's their right. And it's like, no, it isn't. I'm like, yeah, it is. I mean, one person actually said, you know, uh, property is theft. It's like, yeah, you wouldn't think that if I if if I took your car, you know, like I said, well, it's my property. It's, well, it's well and, and a good it. a good example of that is Johnny and I are both huge fans of Song of the South. Mm-hmm. I wish it were being released, but it's not. Disney owns it, and that's their right not to release yeah. it. Okay, yeah. I get that. Right. I, I was right. actually disappointed. I, I was disappointed today because there's a company that I, I support and I, I like them a great deal, but it came up in my Facebook feed that they were offering their Steamboat Willie t-shirts. And I went, oh, really? You know, I, I, life is good as the company. I love what they stood for. And I don't know, it just made me sad that they just, it was like they were waiting and chomping at the bit for January 1st so they could push out their Steamboat <laughs> Willie wear. <laughs> Well, a part of me goes, who wants it? It's like there wasn't a big demand for Steamboat on December 31st. So yeah. what's the deal now? It's, I, it's just a concept. And I, as I said earlier, I think a lot of it is just that people love the notion. I mean, look, yes. someone said at one point, I forget what, what, what year it was and what decade it was, but the three most recognizable um, images mm-hmm. in America were like, aside from like the cross or something, were the, the Coke bottle, the swastika, and Mickey Mouse. And Mickey you know? Mouse. I mean, yeah. that's, that's an example of how... 
Mickey Mouse is one of the most recognizable things in the world. And I think I just think people kind of like the idea that that even the Steamboat Willie version of it got taken away from yeah, uh, from Disney from from Disney. And yeah. the other thing, and I don't know how many people know this right off the bat. I, I suppose many, but Steamboat Willie. So now I'm, I'm seeing a lot of stuff online. Well, what's when did Steamboat Willie become Mickey Mouse? It's like if, if you don't know this, the, the first Mickey Mouse cartoon was called Plain Crazy, mm-hmm. and it was a silent cartoon. And they didn't release it first. They released Steamboat Willie first because they'd mastered this sound thing. And then later they reached. Then they, the second one they they put out was a Plain Crazy with sound. So people have this idea somehow now. I think that Mickey was originally a character called Steamboat Willie. And the reality of it is that Steamboat Willie is just the name of the character he's playing in that movie, theoretically, because mm-hmm. what it really was was a parody of a Buster uh, Buster Keaton movie called Steamboat Bill Jr. Which so they so in a way, even Steamboat Willie was sort of borrowing or building upon yeah. something that already existed. You know, which is free, you're free to do that. They didn't get any legal problems. People recognize it as a little humorous version with a cartoon mouth. But that takes us back to the, why are people clamoring for this character? And and Jim, I'm so happy you could join us tonight because I like to think that, you know, maybe this was one of those new stories that one of our people's has, but maybe they'll stop and and really think about some of the arguments that you've made, that it's your, Mm -hmm. as a creative, it's your property and it should remain your property and, and it should not be open to someone arbitrarily deciding that X number of years, it is no longer your property. And and people will also realize realize uh, that it is Jim and Johnny and I against the founders of the Constitution. <laughs> the Constitution. So, yeah. so there you go. But people can find let's you at Jim. Let's go Black Lakeshore Drive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they can find you at jimengel.net and they can link to you from our Facebook page too. And Jim, as always, it's a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thank you guys. Thanks for Bye-bye. inviting me. He is such a... A he's wonderful an, source of information. And he's an amazing talent, yeah, too. he really is. Okay, uh, we got a break. More coming up. Stay with us at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putnam at WGN Radio. Those of you who have been hanging with us for a while know that we're going to do some shout-outs to yep. uh, some of you who were nice enough to hang out with us. But every time we play that, I don't know if I ever told you this, hmm. every time we play that, it takes me back to my my rock and roll Ute. performer days. Mm-hmm. And we used to do that song. And it was always fun. It, it was a fun song to play. And when you do the tempo change, it was fun to see the really good dancers know how to just slide oh, into the slower it, groove and yeah. then get back into the fast tempo. It was just... And and I'm speaking to those of you who may be old enough to remember a wonderful teenage nightclub called Popple's Tropicana at 14444 South Indiana Avenue in Riverdale. And when I think of Tropicana, I think of like a warm climate, or I think of Tropicana orange juice. Uh, no, th- was it a family was, name? Or this was uh, well, Popples. It was. Oh, uh, Popples was the family yeah. name. Oh, yeah, uh, that was the family name, and it was a literally a teenage nightclub. Mm-hmm. It was a great place, which was a a nice idea. That yeah. Um, sadly, you had Popples. I had Rainbow Ice Skating Rink. That was our equivalent of a place for teenagers to hang out. It was safe. It's where you you had to be. And and Popples was really a popular place, uh, no pun intended. But along with local bands performing there, there were a lot of big-name artists. Roy Orbison played there. What? 
Oh, yeah. And that's for those of you that are old enough to remember uh, the Sir Douglas Quintet. With Doug Som. Doug Som, who was a dear friend of ours. Uh, That's the first place I ever saw Doug Som perform. He came in with his group. At that time, it was Doug Som and the Red Tops. And he came in. It was on a night where there was an open audition. And it was something like out of a uh, out of a very corny 1950s black and white rock and roll movie. Mm-hmm. Doug came in with a group. They got up on stage. They're auditioning. The place went nuts. And I remember for their closing number, Doug is uh, he came off the stage and the drummer is walking around the place with a snare drum and the whole place is going nuts. <laughs> they wound up signing. They stayed there for a month. And then they moved on down the road. And wow. a couple of years later, I get into radio, and all of a sudden, I realize I'm playing the Sir Douglas Quintet. That's mm. Doug Som. And then we got to be friends with him. Yeah. He was such a huge Cubs fan. Oh, yeah. He would always call us and ask about, uh, and um, he had morphed at that point into Doug Som and the Texas Tornadoes. That's right. And it, he would call us and ask about, hey, we're going to be in Chicago. Any chance you can get me some Cubs tickets? <laughs> I think we did once, uh, back yeah. when we were the Cubs station. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he was a very cool guy. Well, we that, had- that was all the spinoff from yeah, Scouts. From See Shout. what you did to me? Uh, we have 11 states tuned in tonight, and we do appreciate that. South Dakota just checked in, 605 area code, a wonderful signal into South Dakota tonight. That's good to hear. Uh, also, Indianapolis and Indiana in general is well represented tonight. Uh, we have um, Robin in Dyer, Indiana, and Dean is in Indianapolis, and Donna Youngheim is in Oak Lawn, listening at, at her AM bedside radio. Uh, Don's in Kalamazoo, and uh, taxi driver Bob, who's a local dude, he pointed out at the top of the show that we had a lot of pent-up radio energy tonight. Yeah, we I did. I think we did. <laughs> I, I don't know because, why. It just... I think it's because we what? made it safely through questionable weather. Yeah. And if you see our pictures on Facebook, you could see starting on the north side, it was really dicey there for a while. And then when we got to about Oak Street, Michigan Avenue cut off of Lakeshore Drive. It's like it cleared up. Uh, it was great. Yeah. Crystal clear. And it's beautiful here looking out from the 18th floor. But I digress. Uh, Janet Gallert is listening in Gainesville, Florida. Diane Hansen is in Waukesha. And Susan Schimmel and Glenn Allen. And Joan Bloom is in Greenville, South Carolina. Jean Albert is tuned in. Ellen Maria. Lynn Kinzer is in San Antonio. Judy Graham is tuned in. She's a regular in Plainfield. We appreciate that, Judy. And Judy also commented, if we get snow, maybe we can make snow ice cream. To which Judy B. said, what? I think I got that right. I think it was Judy B. that said, what? So I had to explain to her, that's ice cream made out of snow. Unless you grew up in the 60s and you were told that the Russians were putting stuff in your snow and that you would die if you made ice cream out of it. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Because I remember that. I was terrified. Because we used to make ice cream. We would get snow and put it in those metal um, ice cube trays Mm -hmm. with, I think, pet milk and sugar. And it made great ice cream. Great. See, my mind just went to Frank Zappa, Don't Eat the Yellow Snow. <laughs> well, I think so, that's true. That's... <laughs> I think that was the inspiration for his song, that the Russians were trying to kill us by yeah. putting something in our snow. So, God forbid you make snow cream, you'll die. <laughs> but you know what? I thought as a kid, I'd probably die happy, because it's so good. 
<laughs> I digress again. Forgive me. Uh, Lynn, sure, show sure. you can digress. If yes, you want. Um, Jan Reinhardt. Uh, she also tuned in, and Diane Vasquez is in the South Suburbs, and Lester Clyden. He's our trucking buddy. He is traveling between St. Louis and Chicago, and be careful out there, Lester. Oh yeah. Norb Rosansky is in Aurora, and James Gajewski's in somewhere um oh he did ask about wayne jancic and here we are in the new year and wayne has a new book and, and theoretically the book is going to be published this year he yes. still had some things to work out with the publisher but we have talked with wayne over the past couple of months and we're absolutely going to get wayne back on the show he's, yep. he's a terrific guy and still has and he has moved but he sent us pictures in his new house of and julian you don't know about this Long story short, Wayne Jancic wrote the Billboard book of One Hit Wonders, and we wrote a forward for it. And Wayne it, was on our show for 19 years and only missed two shows in 19 yeah. years. If you went into Wayne's house, when we first met Wayne, he was living on the Chicago's north side. We go into his house, two-story house. We had to walk through paths through vinyl. Floor to ceiling. Floor to ceiling vinyl albums. Uh, I remember the floor was Boeing on the it second was. floor apartment. The fl- because the entire apartment from front to back, the kitchen, the pantry, everything was albums, and he was able to move all those albums. And now they're safely ensconced in a climate controlled basement. He, of his he has home. moved to to one of the uh, western suburbs. Yep, and he has a beautiful uh, oh. home with, with some of his albums are in. Uh, the, the old location at WGN Radio in, in the uh, Tribune Tower, we used to have a room you would go back into, and it would be almost like it would look like library shelves, but they would be on cranks. So you could, the, the shelves literally would move back and forth so you'd get in between the shelves and get to the albums that you wanted. Wayne has that kind of a setup it's in his house nice. now. Yeah. I'm going to take a break and come back and finish up this list because, as I said, it's a long one tonight. I think you should take a break and come back. Okay, let's do that. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. I never heard this. Oh, I love this. I do, too. And if you're wondering what the tie-in is, we're doing shouts. This is Shout Bamalama. <laughs> That's the name of it. Does he ever shout Bamalama? Or, well, or shout Alabama? Oh, well, well, oh it's, it's Bamalama. Oh, yeah. I get it. But it's just funky. The and lyrics it's fun are and crazy. Nobody ever plays it. No. So, and who, who is that? That's uh, that. That version is uh, uh, Mickey Murray. Mickey. It was Murray. also done by Otis Redding. Wow. You want to give us just a little bit of Otis's version? <laughs> Shout Bama Lama. <laughs> I want a dude. I want two, three, four. I love Otis, but I think I love Mickey, Mickey's, better. Mickey's version yeah. better. Yeah, Mickey's so. probably a one-hit wonder, too. Yeah. They made it into the top 40. It actually did. Yeah. Back, wow. I, I want to say, in the late 50s, early 60s. Hmm. Okay. As, as Spike O'Dell used to say, you don't get this kind of radio up and down the dial. <laughs> That's probably good reason. <laughs> yeah, there's that. 
<laughs> All right. Shout Bamalama. And yes, this will be included in the music bumps when we... <laughs> Every week, for, for, for those of you who may not know, oh my gosh. Uh, you need to go to our, <laughs> our blog. It's stevenjohnny.wordpress.com. You know what we've done the last half hour? We have webbed. One oh, thing yeah. leads to another. I'm, I'm still looking at a list this long of people i got to shout out to. But, but let me quickly say, if you go to our blog, <laughs> stevenjohnny.wordpress.com, yes. In about, uh, oh, somewhere in the next 48 hours, mm-hmm. we'll do a blog, and it will have a link to the podcast and all of the bumps that we mm-hmm. used on tonight's show. Mm-hmm. And now we return you to Miss Putman with, yes. with our shouts in progress. Stephanie's listening in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, Peter Lawrence is in Sauk Village, and Mike Fiegel, Feigel is in Akron, Ohio. Uh, Nancy Hollins is tuned in. My buddy Deb Scott is listening and her mama. Uh, Jim uh, Smith is listening on his 63 transistor radio. A 1963 cool. radio. Yeah. Uh, Rita Ragi, R-A-G-G-I, Fort Worth, Texas. Christine Thalings in Plainfield. She's listening on her C-Crane 3. Uh, Patricia Tintara is one of our top fans and we appreciate that kevin roush is tuned in beverly goodall thanks her boyfriend for informing her that we were back on the radio so she is now with us on saturday nights i think you should keep that boyfriend (laughs) yes Uh, he's probably up bowling now going (laughs) she's busy listening to the radio uh chuck snitchler thank you chuck he's our one of our best friends for this entire radio station sharon malone is in kenosha and gene jacobson is in milwaukee and lloyd moncrief is in ottawa and david kaufman and bobby danos in al are listening at the sandwich manor out in sandwich illinois Uh, bonnie pearson is in pleasant valley wisconsin robin aiken in Port Charlotte, Florida. John Couture is in Warren, Michigan. Joe Smith is down in Nashville. Delphine Berriman is in Chicago. Go figure. Chicago's listening in. We're getting out there. Wow. Eric Baum is in West Beach, Maine, where they're expecting 6 to 12 inches of snow tonight. I said, if you're awake when you get that much snow, send us a picture. Yeah. Barbara Barrett is in Lake Zurich. Helen Bo- uh, Bodine. Bo- uh, oh, well, forgive me, Helen. You're in Kenosha. Tracy Douglas is in Savannah. Uh, Linda Moeller is in Oklahoma. Helen Thomas is in Kenosha. And uh, again, that's just about it. I Forgive me if I missed you. Oh, Sandy Blackwell just checked in from Peoria. Did we mention uh, Randy, the super bagger from Jewel? Oh, hey, Randy. She's our girl, super bagger at the Jewel up uh, on uh, Howard in Evanston. Mm-hmm. And uh, we appreciate you all tuning in. As I said, we have a number of, of states listening tonight. Oh, here we go. 847 Erica Wally Powers is listening in Pinehurst, North Carolina tonight. Um, Mark and, is in Calumet City. And I'd like to find out if we have anybody listening uh, across the big pond. And I ask that because I mentioned our blog. Yeah. Every time we look at... We can check uh, some of these statistics for our blog. And we had last week people following our blog from the U.S., Ireland, uh, the U.K., the Netherlands, uh, Sweden. Macedonia. Yeah, Macedonia. Why? why? Uh, I'm trying to think of where else. Uh, But but so many countries literally all over the world. 
that are following our blog. So I'm wondering how many of, of you people who pay attention to our blog from all over the world, how many of you are yeah. listening to us via the interweb? I think we should do a night where we take a segment of the show and we just say, call us wherever you are in the world. You don't have to have anything fabulous to say yeah. other than, hi, I'm in, yeah. fill in the blanks. And we used to do that on Sunday nights uh, because we were heard. This was pre-internet, believe it or not. Yep. Uh, we were heard the old-fashioned way on the West Coast because there was a station that was at seven twenty a.m. that mm-hmm. would go off the air for in Las Vegas. And on Sunday nights, they would go dark. So and we would sometimes get calls for uh, listeners and calls from like Riverside, California. California, yes, and all along the coast of Texas, uh, the mm-hmm. Gulf Coast of Texas. So that was really fun because. So we would throw open the and back in the day remember we would actually let them call us collect that's true because it was because a different world then they, and the station didn't have an 800 number at that right. point and we said well okay right. and, uh, and we didn't have cell phones and, and and that was back in the day we're dating ourselves every show on wgn when we first joined yes. the station oh, had, yes. had its own budget and if you didn't use your budget as in is the case in many businesses you didn't get it next year so that meant we had fabulous parties toward the end of the year yep. or uh there were times when there were guests that would be uh coming in and and literally uh if we weren't able to get them to the station yeah. they wouldn't be able to do the show so we would send a limo, limo. to pick them up yeah yeah, that was nice. And we just turned in our expense account. Yeah, that's all business-related. <laughs> no, there I don't think go. a lot of companies have business accounts anymore. I just don't think that that's the norm. Uh, I told you back in my days as a waitress, uh, one of the best things was when a convention came to town, and I worked at Holiday sure. Inn on Lakeshore Drive. When a convention came to town, they all had business accounts, and so you know they were happy, mm-hmm. and things worked well for them at the convention, and their feet were tired, and they sat down, and you were a good waitress. Boy, you could get a great tip because the company was paying for it. I just don't think that happens very much anymore. And at a lot of the... the uh clubs in the Chicago area that I played at, we could always tell when there was a convention in town because oh, yeah. there would be song requests accompanied by a $10 bill. <laughs> oh, that so, was a lot. Okay, thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's coming up next. That's even a lot now. You want to hear it three times? <laughs> yeah. Sure, I'd be happy to <laughs> accommodate you. Yes. <laughs> so the shout-out is what we do every week. We'd like to take a few minutes. It's just taken us a lot more than a few tonight because we, as I say, we were webbing. Um We'd like to find out where you're you're listening. And as I say, yeah. tonight we had um, the last count. I think it was nine. We might have ten with North Carolina. We probably have ten states that are represented tonight. And never assume for those of you who might be listening for the first time and wondering who the heck are these people that are webbing all over the place. Uh, for a long time, twenty seven years, we were full time doing overnight radio here on WGN, and then we stopped doing it full time back in twenty eleven. And we would do occasional fill-ins, but it was one year ago as of midnight, as mm-hmm. of the uh, the 7th, that the management talked us into coming on back and hanging out for a while. And we said, well, we'll, we'll do it for a while and see what mm-hmm. happens. And the, what happens is we have now expended a year's worth yes. of Saturday nights 48 hanging shows. out with you. You haven't ran away yet. <laughs> That's no, true. We hey, Gabe, how you doing? <laughs> doing good happy new year happy new year too yeah did you do anything on new year's eve 
Um, went to visit some family, my wife and I. Uh, we went to my brother-in-law's place. Nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, we didn't get back home until almost 3 a.m. And I had to be to work that afternoon, so sleep was limited. <laughs> But that's what the holidays are all about, right? Exactly. Yeah, you just put up with it because you figure, hey, it's once a year. Uh, we have coming up a conversation with Tom Appel. And we've got a lot to cover in the world of automobiles. Yeah. We haven't talked to Tom in a while. And and also, since we've got Tom Appel, who is the publisher of Consumer Guide, that also means we're going to be treated to Tom's Tunes. Oh, yes. There is a a theme with Tom's tunes, and we will have him explain. We'll also get into the history of Tom, Tom Appel yes. and our radio show. Yes, this is true. So that and more coming up. We'll be back on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Why do I feel like I'm listening to the theme from a 70s cop show? Yeah. It I mean, has it really that kind works. Of a feel. Yeah. Well, what you're listening to is uh, one of Tom's tunes. <laughs> uh, Tom being Tom Appel, the publisher of Consumer Guide. And, Tom, before we get into all, all things cars, tonight's Tom's tunes have a theme, don't they? They do. And, and they the do. theme would be what? The theme is Manteca, and that is the name of the piece we just heard. That is a Dizzy Gillespie original, and it's an important piece of music for a couple of reasons. One, it is a song that other jazz artists love to cover. It became a jazz standard. It is also sort of the first acknowledged piece in the Afro-Cuban movement. Uh, where jazz artists started to play African music mixed with Cuban music together. And, and Dizzy Gillespie, of course, was, was kind of the founder of that movement, but that song kind of put it on the map. So great piece of music covered by lots and lots of artists, and I've got a couple more versions for us. So when are you starting your jazz podcast? <laughs> yes I would, I would love that that's my retirement thing i think that in a few years i might actually do that and for those of you that are wondering well why does tom get to pick his songs these are some of the songs that tom loves to blast to test the sound systems on some of the cars that right. he's road testing correct that is actually true yeah and that was one of them that's a great piece of music to test the sound system <laughs> And, and what I know we've covered this before, but I'll jump back into it. What kind of music do you prefer to get a really good idea of how good or how bad a car sound system is? I have become very fond of and like to test uh, mid-50s, like mid-century American jazz. Hmm. And, and I love guitar when it's played with mid, mid-century jazz, jazz. And then I like really good guitar in general. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Mark Knopfler, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and before we, we get into car, and we eventually will land there. We will. Again, we're we're yes. webbing a lot yes. tonight. But we well, thought, we can web if we want to. It's show number, you know, 49. Yeah. <laughs> but, but this is, uh, as we mentioned at the outset, this is our, our one-year anniversary of Steve and Johnny Show version 2.0. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, who thought it uh, would last this long? Uh, but we wanted to go back and cover your history with us. Now, we first met oh. Tom years ago. We had started doing 
a, a regular automotive feature. We've been doing our, our, our road tests, uh, our radio road tests for, oh, I don't know how long. We started doing those back um, at the behest of Jim Matea, who was the uh-huh. automotive czar for the Chicago Tribune right. for a long time. And there were, there were no women doing road tests then. So we thought, well, this will be different. A, a, a he said, she said a take on a given vehicle because guess what? We don't always agree on everything. Yeah. But we actually first met Tom on the subject of music. It was not yeah. on the subject of mm-hmm. cars, right, Tom? Take it away. That was, that was way, way, way back. And yes. I'm trying to put a year on this, but it might have been 1987 or 1988. Okay. And there's a long story here, but I'll make I'll tell it as short as possible. I worked at a market research firm, and this was before there were really reliable desktop computers. And because I was good at math, I used to tally up all the things that had done during the day and re- leave a report for the people who would would manage things in the morning. So I worked late at night alone in, a, in an industrial park with like a tin shed building, you know, and you couldn't get radio in there. And only two stations, only two stations could be heard in the building I worked at while I was sitting there playing with a calculator at like 2 in the morning. One of them was WSEX, which was in Wheeling, so <laughs> yes. down the yeah. block for me. And the other was WGN, so I started listening to you guys. So, so, your, choice was, so your choice was sex or WGN? <laughs> or sexy. Choices. Because I was alone, I, I went WGN. <laughs> and so you called in one night. I did. I was mad about something, and you guys were completely on top of this issue. And that was too many CDs were being released that were not remastered for digital. Yes. For digital and play. And I completely I called a complaint because I had just bought Wings Over America on CD. It was and awful. It sounded like crud. It did, yes. And then you quickly learned that that was one of those hot button topics for Steve because he was known to <laughs> put on a piece of vinyl and then play it on CD and say, now tell me, people, which do you prefer? Prefer. And even on your AM radio, yes. you could hear the difference yes. in fidelity. Because yep. at that point in its development, CDs were being made just to cash in on the new technology market. Nobody was paying attention to how well they were being recorded. No. And they were not oh, being recorded Oh, I think the Simon well. and Garfunkel's uh, uh, songs, uh, songs of Silence, Sounds of Silence, that was a classic example. It was so bad. Well, and one of the reasons was that, uh, I don't know if it was Sounds of Silence, it was one of the Simon Gar- and Garfunkel albums that Columbia Records actually lost the masters right. to. So they had to go back to as as pristine a copy of vinyl as they could find and make the CD from that. Drop the needle on it and then make a CD. Then my other harangue was Motown. All of the first Motown pressings were horrible. And and the best example I can give is, if you remember The Temptations, uh, uh, My Girl, which starts with the bass, and and on on vinyl it would be... On CD, it was. <laughs> it was just awful. You you think I'm kidding? But it was that bad. Yes. So when Tom called, he knew that we were kindred spirits. Exactly. And then we we started doing a regular automotive feature, right. and for years we had Frank Piler, 
who had been the publisher of Consumer Guide and who now is the publisher of Collectible Automobile. And Frank yeah. would drive from the Wisconsin border in to do the show, and that got a little old for him. And he says, you know what? There's a guy working at the magazine, and I'm thinking he might enjoy this too, and he brought you in. Do you remember what year that was, Tom? I'm going to say it was 2003 or 2004. Yeah, that sounds right. So, you know, we're talking 20 years ago. So for you people who hear him on other shows, he was here first. Yeah. He was our guy. We are his radio parents. And every time he does another show, we get a percentage, right, Tom? (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's why I'm completely broke. (laughs) But he does thank us on his podcast, so that's very sweet of him. Uh, Tom, we will talk about cars. So we can talk cars tonight. Hang in there. (laughs) We're going to take a break and come back with more Tom's tunes, and we're going to talk about automotive news because there is a lot to talk about, especially this new law that got passed and went into effect on January first. All that and a whole lot more here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. We're talking with Tom Appel, the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and we're digging Tom's tunes. We are. And again, the theme tonight, Tom, is... Manteca. Manteca. By the way, Taos, New Mexico is listening to your tunes. Taos, New Mexico, good morning. A flower... (laughs) (laughs) I love it when you do your smooth jazz voice. Flowery... (laughs) Flowery, this is the hardest town to say. Flowery Branch, Georgia is tuned in. And uh, Prairie Grove, Wisconsin. Winter Haven, Florida. Wow, all these folks are coming out of the woodwork. I think it's probably because of the weather. And can I just say, Algonquin, are you listening, Algonquin? Stacy said if she didn't hear her name, she was never going to listen to us again. So, Tom, I had to take up a moment of your time to say, hi, Stacy. Wait a minute. <clears throat> oh yes. Okay. Here you go, girl. Hi, Stacy. In Algonquin. <laughs> In Algonquin. There might be other Stacys out there. Because okay. there might be other Stacys out there. <laughs> you you know, should you should check out consumerguide.com. That is the uh, the website that uh, Tom is responsible for, although who knows how often he is actually responsible. But uh and you should check out the Daily Drive blog. And a blatant plug light is flashing. What should people look at uh, on ConsumerGuide.com? I've got two articles up right now, or one article and one podcast up right now that people should know about. Uh, I've got a complete list of all the vehicles that qualify for the federal tax credit, and there aren't very many. <laughs> it got tougher. Yeah. The EV tax credit got tougher to to uh, to get for 2024, uh, but the list is interesting, and we got an article about how that works. And our episode 200 of the Car Stuff podcast uh, just went up this week, so that, and that people should be checking that out. They should be subscribing. That's what they should be doing. Is uh, that the episode that you have your daughter Harper talking about uh, traveling, driving? Yeah, actually, she just made that trip again. But yeah, we talked to her about the ardors of getting into a car with your cat and driving for 15 hours straight. Ooh. <laughs> wow, to Colorado and back. Yeah. But you guys, uh, what, you meet up at a truck stop in Iowa so that you can spell that. her to get her back uh, to to Illinois? When she comes in, we always meet her at the I-80 truck stop, which is some, somewhere between the Iowa border and the and, uh, Des Moines. 
Have you ever been to a Bucky's truck truck stop? I have not, and we talk about we talk about great truck stops on the podcast with Harper, and we haven't been to a Bucky's. She's a big fan of Casey's. Casey's. She recommends those because Bucky's in the South. People say you haven't lived until you've eaten a meal at Bucky's, and I'm like, it's a truck stop. <laughs> well, what was the truck stop that we went to? We were driving down to Florida, mm-hmm. I-65. I want to say this was in Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, where they had rocking chairs. They had rocking chairs and guitars. And guitars. You could sit right. and rock and play. It was the play. cool, and I almost bought a guitar. This, uh, well, I almost bought was, a rocking chair. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> and I, I was saying, honey, we, we're only like three hours into our trip. you got to get up and get in the car. we got to drive. But it was such a cool place. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there were some good ones on I-65, but that was back in, the, I think, there was a time, too, when CB radios were so prevalent that... I don't know. I just felt like stopping at truck stops were appropriate because yeah. we had our CB radio blaring. So. All right. But as we segue to automotive news, one of the big stories this week has been Stellantis and the Chicago yes. Auto Show or the lack yeah. of Stellantis at the Chicago Auto Show. And for people who don't know, Stellantis is responsible for what vehicles, Tom? Lots and lots of brands. But the ones we know best are Jeep, Chrysler, Dodge, and Ram plus Alfa Romeo, plus Maserati, and plus Fiat in the United States. So seven brands not going to any auto shows this year. Well, let me put an asterisk on that. They have blown off CES, which starts tomorrow. Which is huge. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah, it's the electronic show, and it's become an auto show, basically. Mm-hmm. They're not going to that. They blew off the L.A. auto show, and they're not going to be going to the Chicago auto show. And it, rumor is they're not going to two Texas auto shows that are fairly large. And, and uh, the Chicago auto show is the best attended auto show in the country am i correct that's that's how we understand it it probably is new york could be close uh, they stopped announcing numbers because there was always this competition but it is the one that's considered the most uh, consumer friendly auto show mm-hmm. and the most people who are going to buy a car uh, end up going to the chicago auto show so it's very important and stellantis actually put out a very corporate speak response to why why aren't you doing these shows and basically, we're saving our money. We want to put our money in the right place in EVs. Am I correct, Tom, or am I being unfair to them? No, that's basically what they said. And they sort of released that announcement shortly after, at least about the L.A. Auto Show, shortly after the strike was resolved. And at the time, they had the feel that the strike had hurt them financially enough that they were reconsidering at least the L.A. Auto Show. But the string of auto shows that they're going to eliminate from their schedule is big. And it's looking like they might do something in New York, but it's not a full effort. Hmm. And yet, some of the, for all the financial problems they're having, some of their vehicles, uh, and I'm thinking uh, Christ Chrysler 300 have completely sold out because it is the the last year for the uh, internal combustion engine, and they're making it a big deal. And I think there are some other examples in their lineup, aren't there? Yeah, and this is actually one of the reasons I think they may not be doing auto shows this year, and that's that they have very little product to show. Chrysler is down to one vehicle, and that's the minivan. Dodge is down to one vehicle, that's the Durango, because as you mentioned, their muscle cars are gone. Jeep has eliminated two models from its lineup, the Renegade and the Cherokee, and Ram is just one vehicle anyway, the big truck, so there isn't a lot of stuff to show. Fiat doesn't actually have a 2024 product, so that's a little weird. So this is, if they were going to skip a year 
And let's, mm. hope, let's hope they're just skipping. This is the year to skip because they don't have a lot of stuff to fill the floor space. And didn't the Chicago Auto Show respond to that news by saying, hey, we're still going to have like eight EVs represented here. And, you know, you, basically, the, I think the underlying message was, I don't think we're going to miss them. So come on down. And d- didn't some of the people from the Chicago Auto Show say, this doesn't necessarily mean you won't see Chrysler, Dodge, uh, Jeep products because they're talking with some of the local dealers. And that has happened before. We've seen dealers work together to get some stuff on the floor. What you won't have is the big display, but you'll still have the product there. And and I would see why dealers would want to do that because historically, um, and I forgot the numbers, but they were impressive, people who go to the auto show tend to buy vehicles within 6 to 12 months. So you definitely want product on the floor there if you can do it. And am I correct? A lot of people have uh, purchased vehicles off the auto show floor. Um, not not technically, because you're not—they're not actually allowed to sell off the floor. But I think they can make referrals. Mm. I thought they could sell everything down to the carpet. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe there was a time when they could. During the week, salesmen actually work the floor, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, all right. The sales were actually happening. They're not supposed to happen. There's not supposed to be any pressure or anything like that. But a, a lot of uh, people going to the auto show are going to miss the wonderful Jeep uh, Trail Ride exhibit. Yeah, Camp Jeep was a huge favorite. There was oh, yeah. a huge line to get in line for that. And that took up a lot of the floor space, too. And then there was a Ram track that was like that as well. So those will be missed because those were consumer favorites. But as you noted earlier, uh, one of the things that, that the, the folks at the Chicago Auto Show said was that they're going to have a lot more EVs available on that test track. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover with you. Uh, and one of the things we're definitely going to come, cover coming back after the news is Bill Senate Bill 40, which yeah. was approved earlier this year and starting January 1st. We'll explain to you what that means, especially if you're planning on building a new house, yeah. uh, because it will affect you. Uh, but before we take a break, Tom, uh, we mentioned your, your podcast. The listener says, how, how again can I subscribe to the podcast? Oh, the easiest way, you can go anywhere. So if you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts is a great one. You can just hook up there. You can get on my mailing list, carstuffatconsumerguide.com, and I can send you a link. Also, just go to consumerguide.com. Every episode, I post an article. If you click on that article, you can stream right there. And I get email from you, uh, so that's your newsletter that you put out on a, a weekly basis? And that includes a link, yep. Okay, so it's simple as that. The, and again, uh, much like subscribing to our blog, there is no charge. And nope, absolutely free. You have to Tom, listen to me, but that's the only tax. And, and when it comes to your newsletter, please go out on a limb and tell people that you're not going to sell their address, please. Oh, just once a week, I don't do anything with your information. Okay. I thought he was going to say, just once a week, I sell your address, yeah, sell your address. and then the other times, I and don't then, do and it. And then once it's sold, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I got what I needed. I got scared there for a moment. Yeah. No, no, no. I would I, never do that. I'm teasing you. Uh, and Tom, I'm added to the list, so there you go. Uh, Tom is uh, the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and we will come back and talk about Senate Bill 40 and some other auto news. If you have any questions, you want to sneak them in, 312-981-7200. You can certainly text us. We'll get those to Tom call us whatever a lot more ground to cover here on wgn steve king and johnny putman at wgn radio we're talking with tom appell publisher of consumer guide and uh tom this is one of my favorite people ray bryant yeah yeah ray's ray's absolutely one of my favorite jazz artists of all time just a wonderfully emotional and, and controlled and and 
just fantastically wide-ranging piano player. He, he, he does stride, he does gospel, he does soul, he does blues. He's just a great pianist. And Tom's Tunes tonight has a theme of Mantica, and that was um, another version of it. Yeah. And they all sound different, but they, again, forgive me, and Tom, you, you like the old television shows. You have to admit, it sounds an awful lot like it should be in a cop show from 1972, <laughs> right? Oh, that would be a great theme song. It would yes. be. That, speaking of uh, of that, and, and again, forgive me for webbing again, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tom loves James Garner TV shows. Oh, yes. Have we ever asked you about one of our, that Johnny and I were talking about, one of our all-time favorite movies? Have you ever seen Sunset? I texted him about it when we had that conversation the other day. No, I have not seen Sunset. Oh, you, you have need, to see. Oh, you need to see it's Sunset. It's Bruce Willis and and James Garner, which is such an odd duo. Yeah, that is odd. And Bruce Willis is playing the part of this actor, and James Garner is playing the original Tom Mix. And they, they yeah. wind up... This actor was playing a Tom Mix part, and James Garner is helping him to do the stuff he does, and they wind up having to solve a crime. It's a wonderful movie. And it didn't do anything at the box office, which is crazy. Everything James Garner touches should have been like a, yeah. you know, a, a top ten box office draw. But put this on. In fact, here's your assignment. Before we talk to you again, <laughs> you need to have now. seen Sunset. <laughs> And, and now, my who, wife will watch anything with James Gardner. Oh, good. good. Who is the fee person in that? That I don't recall. Oh, darn. Because um, all I do recall was it was a really bright and colorful movie. Yeah. Remember it was oh. just, and, and we originally saw it at the Old, old Orchard, Orchard Theater. Theater. The Old, Old Orchard. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, by the way, we were mentioning truck stops. Bucky's is from Texas and will soon open up in Wisconsin. Okay. Wow. Ooh, yes. They're sneaking up on us. Really? Um, so, uh, Senate th- Bill 40. Yeah, th- this is important. It was approved earlier this year and, and started uh, went into effect January 1st, so last Monday. The law requires single-family homes in newly constructed residential buildings with parking spaces to provide a conduit allowing EV charging if needed. Now, this is in the state of Illinois. We're in the state of Illinois. So, Tom, number one, did that surprise you when that bill uh, became a reality as of January 1st? Um, I'm a little surprised. It kind of snuck up on me. But we've seen this in California and a couple of other states where this is already part of code, not statewide, but in a lot of municipalities. So this is starting to happen. Now, as I understand it, it does not require you to have a charging station. It just makes it easier for people, if they need to charge, to be able to do that, correct? Yeah, and that actually makes an awful lot of sense. The The reason that'll work is that chargers themselves are not especially expensive. They can be $400, $600. You can pay more if you want to, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. But the technology on those is going to change, and some of those are uh, accessible via cell or app. So you wouldn't want an old tech thing just sitting there not being used. So mm-hmm. if you own an electric vehicle and you tend to rent, you could just buy your own charging station that you can literally just plug in at the outlet. Isn't this the first time, certainly that I can recall, that this kind of a law has been passed for new home or building construction? Uh, Because with all of the other forms of things that propel automobiles, 
You didn't need that. Nobody said, you're building this house, you have to have a gas station in your garage. Nope. Yeah, it's interesting. and, and it's, Well, you make a really interesting point. This is the first time we're being compelled as, as you know, as, as citizens really did to do to worry about our vehicle and how we're going to charge it or fuel it but the interesting thing about this is that it is super easy to run a 220 volt line to your garage mm-hmm. when the building is being built right. super easy almost it, no cost it, it, at all. and actually a lot easier than trying to retrofit it but yeah, I, it could be terrible otherwise i've read everywhere yeah and that's one of the reasons why when we found out the cost that we kind of said oh maybe we'll just wait before we make the jump uh, mm-hmm. to ev but i've looked everywhere for some information on who is going to oversee is this going to be like a, your 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 local municipality's building department is going to include this as part of a, a code check that they come in to be sure that you're upholding the law and and, yeah. and what is it's going to be part of code so yeah and what is going to be the the going rate in chicago to to bribe the building inspector so you don't have to do that <laughs> it's not going to happen steve <laughs> yeah right <laughs> now again i just came across uh, because i was doing some research during the news to find out um who was going to be responsible for you know, being sure that this happens. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I did learn was they say that this will not increase the cost of your new build. Not much. It's it's so simple to do it when you're building. There is another part of this law, though, that is not going to be cheap, and that's that uh, owners of older buildings are going to be forced to upgrade if they upgrade their building. So they will have to add this to that cost. So, and I presume that if that's any kind of construction you do that requires a permit, uh, means you don't have to bring it fully up to code. And and in that case, uh, if you are upgrading your building, that is going to be a, a much more significant cost along with whatever the upgrade is that you're doing to your building. And I guess I miss that part of it because as a building owner of a, of a 63-year-old building, I'm like, what? what? So... Again, this is yeah, part of part of the confusion too. Chicago just has an awful lot of old houses or houses that were built right after the war, and a lot of those have 100 amp service. And you really want to upgrade that to 200 amp service if you're going to be plugging in an electric vehicle. And that particular conversion can be expensive. Well, but don't Teslas take a different amount of of or a, forgive me for my basic knowledge of this? Uh, they take a different voltage than I mean, you could get. A vehicle, an EV vehicle that is like 110, right? Well, no, you can charge your vehicle with either 110, that's level 1, 220, which is installing a charging station, and level 3, which is fast charging. And Tesla's pretty much run the same way that other vehicles do. What's different is the actual charger itself. The adapter is different. okay. So the big news is that other manufacturers, General Motors, for for example, is going to start allowing their vehicles to be charged at Tesla stations. Mm -hmm. And and you will require an adapter for a while because they're not going to be hooked up. The, the adapter in the car is not going to be ready for that. Well, on the subject of charging, uh, you entertained us quite um, quite a bit the last time we were on the show talking about your own experiences and, charging. And as we understand, your adventure in charging is not over yet? <laughs> oh, man. So I, I, was, I was pleased to receive from Cadillac a Cadillac lyric that they wanted me to drive specifically to talk about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So this is a car not a lot of people have seen yet. They haven't built very many, and they only got a few of them off for 2023. 2024 updates included a, uh, an update to the software, 
which I think is something they wanted to do before they release these cars to the media. So long story short, I had this Cadillac Lear, which turned out to be a fine vehicle, drove it from Chicago, or from Palatine, Illinois, to Chicago to Milwaukee, which means that I could not make the entire loop in the winter with the heat on, with the headlights on, uh, within the 304 miles of stated range for the vehicle. So I had to stop someplace. <laughs> and I had another charging adventure, this time with Electrify America, which is the network that was formed by the punitive damage to Volkswagen for Dieselgate, if people remember that scandal. Mm-hmm. So I get to the charger, and it's supposed to be hyper-fast, hyper-fast in quotes, which means it's supposed to deliver 150 kilowatts of energy, which is an awful lot. That would be very fast, and you get a full charge in a relatively short period of time, or an 80% charge, which is what you're supposed to do on fast charging. Long story short, I had to stand outside in the rain, <laughs> call Electrify America while well, they rebooted they rebooted the charging station several times. Finally, it worked. I plugged it in, and then I never got anywhere near 150 kilowatts. I got to 70 at one point. So not even half as fast as the promised rate. So what is the source of the problem here? Is it the uh, the charging stations? Is it that um, the management is not paying attention to how this is handling? Is it bad installation? What's the deal? There seem to be significant software issues, and mm-hmm. it looks like these installations took place without a lot of thought for how these were going to operate. And and they don't commu- the, the, the Ideally, like Electrify America, is supposed to work with your car, and and it should recognize your car. And all you have to do is plug in, and everything should just take care of itself. And they should know to bill you. They should recognize your car, and that isn't happening. Additionally, these, these stations strangely are often broken, and they don't indicate that they are broken. So you can try and and fuss with the car and try two or three times to get it going, waste a half an hour of your time, and it won't work. And then when you call the company that is listed at the charging station, they don't even realize that it's not working, right? That that is exactly right, Johnny. I've called them, and they didn't know it was working, and they didn't know what station I was near, even though I was using the app, which is very frustrating. So clearly, they beta tested a lot of the software on the public. It was mm-hmm. not ready to go, and they built a lot of stations. They don't know a lot about them, and it, it was just a problem. And I'm I'm convinced now that this should have been treated like a like a federal utility, mm-hmm. and, not, and not and not handed to a bunch of different companies that were just in it for the money. And I don't buy the argument of well, it's new technology, so it's going to take a while. No, it's new technology, so you want to be very careful about how you are installing it and who is doing the installation. Yeah, and it, it shouldn't be that complicated. EVs are new technology. Charging a battery, we've been doing with little home chargers since the 30s. It doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it should be that complicated. Obviously, there's there's software involved in processing your charge and making sure that it's talking to your car and everything there works, but that shouldn't be that complicated. And they've had millions and millions and millions of charges now, and it doesn't seem like the situation's getting better. Is the situation any better from what you hear over in Europe? Uh, it's, it's, it's supposed to be better in Europe, and it's vastly better at Tesla. Um, the Tesla systems just work. Oh, here, here's another fun, frustrating thing. I don't know if I told this to you guys. If you are at an Electrify America station, and they have four or eight stations, no matter what they tell you the promised output of the charger is, you end up sharing it with another car if it pulls up. What? Yeah. Okay. yeah and that's something that doesn't happen at Tesla stations. Huh. That is Very really frustrating. Weird. Yeah, that is weird too. 
Yeah, it's, it's just they cheaped out a little bit on the station, and they just have the one transformer, and that's it. Yeah, for all of the negative things that that can justifiably be said about Musk, the the Tesla charging infrastructure does seem to be the standard, right? And it seems to be head and shoulders above the rest. It is, yeah, and it's that's absolutely the benchmark to go for. And then they know when a station is down, and they know when you charge, and they bill you. You never, if you are a Tesla owner and you pull up to a Tesla station, you never have to use your card. You never have to call anybody. You just plug in. They know it's you. You get billed. It's super simple. We were behind a Tesla the other day, and Steve didn't notice it, but I kept trying to focus on the bumper sticker in front of me on, oh, yes. on the Tesla. <laughs> and as we passed them to turn, I realized the bumper sticker read, I bought this car before I knew he was a jerk. <laughs> I was like, whoa! <laughs> like, don't and, hold and it against me. And now we're starting to see more of those. Yeah, wow. Uh, we're talking with Tom Appel. He's publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. And you can check out consumerguide.com. We're going to come back, talk about more car stuff here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio. We're talking with Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide. And uh, we're hearing some of Tom's tunes. And again, Tom, the theme tonight has been, and this artist is? This is Francesco Aguabella playing a, what are the songs in the theme? Manteca, a piece by Dizzy Gillespie, originally. I like this version a lot. Mm-hmm. This sounds like it could be a bar scene in Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> if we're signing these to TV shows, this could yes. be, yeah, Quincy's walking around you're a bar right. trying to find some guy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we heard from Vlad in Tampa, and he texts that the Tesla supercharger infrastructure is certainly the gold standard. He writes, I own a Model Y, and I regularly road trip from Florida to Chicago with no issues. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. huge. Another interesting... That's good to hear. Yeah. Another interesting text, and I don't understand the why of this. This is uh, from Deanna. Says there are a lot of crashes while turning left out of a shopping plaza near me, and the owner of the shop across the street says they seem to be disproportionately caused by Teslas. What? Huh? <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. that I don't either. That, I, yeah. It's like what? Okay, we we need to know. You can tell us privately where the shopping center is, yeah. and who is this owner, because we want to talk to him. How come, did he get a bum Tesla? Is that what we're talking about? And, and this may be a, a future uh, Daily Drive blog post for, for Tom. Yeah, that's really weird. Uh, before we get a story here. I, I don't know. <laughs> before we get too far afield, you mentioned the Cadillac Lyric that you were driving. Uh, what else yeah. have you been driving? I had a string of three electric vehicles in a row, and it was it was very fun, uh, very entertaining to do that, except for the charging situation. But I had the uh, the Hyundai Ioniq 5, which was Hyundai's first all-electric 50-state vehicle. They had done a version of the Kona before, but they didn't sell that everywhere. But the Ioniq 5 is a, is a hatchback, and some people think it's a crossover, and I'm not going to argue about that. Nice electric car, but the other one I drove was the Ioniq 6, 
which is a, uh, a Honda Accord side sedan, and I was very impressed by this vehicle. It is a very, the ride and handling were great, the interior is spacious, a little bit cheap on the inside, and, but I, the money's got to come out someplace, I guess. But the range is great, it's about 360 miles, lots of power, all-wheel drive, a lot to like here, but if, if, if everything was happy in Electric World, I would totally recommend someone would just run out and buy one of these right now. Hmm. And the, uh, the, the price range is? I drove a very well-equipped model that was dual motor, which means it was four-wheel drive, and it was 58000 Okay. And what, you, what would be... You've been doing for less. Yeah, what, what would be the entry-level price? Probably about ten grand less, and that would be a rear-drive model with a smaller battery. Mm-hmm. I think of rear drive models, and I think of the weather that we're supposed to have on Monday or Tuesday. I'm yeah. like, really? Do you want a rear drive model? I have thought that one of the interesting things about electric vehicles is they shouldn't be as bad in two-wheel drive as other vehicles because the weight of the battery is distributed evenly underneath the vehicle. Oh, so it would be better. It wouldn't be great. You still want all-wheel drive, uh, mm-hmm. but there isn't the advantage to front-wheel drive because you don't have an engine sitting over those wheels. Okay. So we're supposed to have a snowstorm next week. What will you be yeah. driving the, fir- the early part of next week? Uh, I'm totally cheating. Uh, mm-hmm. I have, I have a, a Ram 2500 pickup coming. Oh, oh boy. So I'm good. I'm yes, good. you are. Don't swing worry by, about me. Swing by and pick us up on the way. How about it? <laughs> Wow. You know what we should do, and, and let's think about uh, spending a little time on this uh, when you join us in a couple of weeks, because at that point we'll be close to the auto show and it will be snowing. It always uh, is. Because the, the worst blizzard is always around Valentine's Day at the auto show. Can we spend a little time next time we talk and talk about the difference in front wheel, rear wheel, all wheel drive in bad weather situations yeah i'd love to so you're going to be at the auto show at various times like the the um the preview for the press days and yeah the, the press days generally now pretty much beginning end on thursday and that's the mm-hmm. the day before the first look dinner the first look banquet uh and then saturday the show opens what are you really looking forward to in the auto show know i i'm happy to see finally some electric stuff on the ground you know not up on the stands so that'll be nice to mm-hmm. see um and there's a lot of it there now if people are thinking about electric the nissan aria will be there uh these these two hundreds i was just talking about kia's full lineup uh the chevrolet blazer which unfortunately is on stop sale right now for a software issue but that will be there the cadillac lyric will be there so there's a lot of evs out there to see Right now, what is the proportion of EVs to internal combustion engine vehicles that are going to be new on the market for 2024? Oh, I don't know that number. For the year wrapped up with Americans buying, 8% of all vehicles sold, new vehicles sold last year were electric. 8? 8%. Okay. And they're expecting 10% this coming year, and that compares to 15% in Europe and about 30% in China. So the numbers are going up. And if you hear that that electric car sales are slowing, that's not exactly accurate. What's happening is that the rate of growth is slowing a little bit. And we've run into that point now where there are people entering this market who are thinking about it but then realize they can't charge easily for reasons that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to go a little slower. And I think we talked about it uh, recently, but worth restating that the as we move more towards 
electric vehicles, there needs to be a whole lot more education about how they work, what they are, what are the pros and cons, and how you deal with it. Yeah, there is. And one of the preconceptions, too, that a lot of people have is that they're going to have to charge all the time and they're going to get stuck somewhere on the side of the road. And what's interesting is that most Americans do not drive more than 40 miles a day and rarely drive 300 miles. So the the range of the average electric vehicle actually suits most Americans, but we're Americans and we don't like to give up things that our products do. Mm -hmm. And we like to fill a gas tank and go 350, 400 miles. And that's going to change, unfortunately. I don't think we're ever going to see that kind of range on average for electric vehicles. How soon do you predict that there will be a vehicle that Johnny and I could get in in Chicago and uh, drive down to Panama City Beach, Florida in these 16 hours that we used to do many years ago? I don't know, because the the thing is, that may never happen, because you're going to have to stop and charge every certain amount of distance, and that's going to take you, best-case scenario, 20 minutes each time you stop. So how many miles is that? It's a thousand. It's a thousand. So a thousand miles, worst case scenario, or best case scenario, you you stop four times. That adds two hours to your trip. Mm. That wouldn't be horrible. Yeah, but you're talking to people. You tell me we have six minutes at the gas station. That's all we have. (laughs) Go fast, do the windows, you know, get the snacks and back in the car. And I'm looking at the clock going, we got six minutes here. That's how we were able to make these unbelievable trips. But if they put in buckies, you're going to want to stop. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) You're so right. Tom, can we keep you for a few minutes on the other side of one? Oh, sure. All right, great. We're talking with Tom Appel, and we're talking cars, and we'll come back with a, a few closing thoughts from Tom here in WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. We're talking with Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide, and uh, we're talking about electric vehicles. See what we did there, Tom? <laughs> I did. See, you, you think we don't... Take, take lots of time and notes and lots of planning that goes into this show. You think this all happens on the fly? Well, actually, I wanted to play another version of Manteca, but, you know, you wanted Electric Avenue. Yeah. I might, I might have another version. I, don't know. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> all right. A couple questions we did not want to let you get away without yeah. answering <clears throat> since we're talking EVs. Uh, when is the release date for an electric Toyota Sienna? Good question. It's due for a serious update. And apparently there is on the schedule a refresh and then a complete update coming. And no one's entirely sure. I've been poking around. It's looking like in 25 we will learn about, or in 24 we should learn about the vehicle. It should arrive as a 25, and it should be a significant refresh. Hmm. Okay, what about an electric Cadillac Escalade? Well, there is there is an electric Cadillac Escalade. That's that is being produced now. I don't know if they're in showrooms yet. That's called the Escalade IQ, and that is available as I think a twenty twenty five model. Do we know what IQ stands for? No, but that's what they use at the end of all their names now. So I drove the Lyric L Y R IQ. So they didn't they didn't want to mess with the Escalade name because there's just so much oh, yeah. equity in that name. So instead of calling it something new, it's Escalade IQ. And the plans for, uh, speaking of electric vehicles, the plans for uh, all-electric Buick are uh, marching forward fastly? 
I guess they are. Yeah, it was twenty thirty five was or twenty twenty five was the plan for an all electric or twenty thirty. I'm sorry, for an all electric Buick, and and Buick is shedding some of its models, and they are launching electric vehicle stuff soon. So we'll be seeing that coming. I actually said marching forward fastly. I should have said fastly marching forward. <laughs> that's okay. For, for those of you who are mm. keeping copious notes. You were in the last hour of the show, so that's all right. Yeah, I'm running out of words. Uh, can I get you to just uh, touch on something that you covered in your podcast, and that was the best cars of 2023? Yeah, we, we talked about a lot of those. Jill and I had a conversation, uh, was it last episode or the episode before, a couple of our favorite test cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and One of my favorite cars, and it's just a standard car out there, but the Honda Accord was redesigned or significantly updated. It's now, uh, they got rid of their two-liter turbocharged engine, which is kind of a bummer because that was really quick. But the hybrid is so good, I almost don't miss the old engine. But this is just an old-school great car. It rides, it handles, the interior is nice, great fuel economy, adults fit in it. And if you just if you don't need a crossover, and most people don't, actually, mm-hmm. this is a fantastic car. It's sadly overlooked. And would that be in, like, the thirty to 40000 range? Oh, you can do you can do one under thirty still, but not oh, by good. much. Yeah, you have to work hard to do that. Do you recall uh, a favorite of Jill's? Because Jill is interesting to really interesting to follow for many many reasons. One of which she lives in the city and she has to park these monsters. Sometimes they just do not fit in her garage, and that's part of the fun. Is when Jill pulls up outside her garage and she gets out and takes a picture and says, "Will it?" Yeah, and you're thinking, "Oh no, girl, don't do it." And you know, usually she makes it fit. But do you recall what her favorites were from uh, last year? Yeah, we talked about one that we, she and I both agreed on. And, and last year, they Subaru redesigned the Impreza, and that is Subaru's compact car. Mm-hmm. And the bad news is they lost the sedan and they lost the manual transmission. That's the bad news. But the redesigned Impreza, which is a small car about the size of a Honda Civic or a Toyota Corolla, is is absolutely a delightful vehicle to drive. It it, it is fun to drive. It's relatively roomy. It's nicely screwed together. Standard all-wheel drive, which in northern Illinois is a wonderful thing to have. And Subaru's all-wheel drive is very, very good. And the vehicle we drove was an RS, which was the most expensive, sportiest model, and it came in under thirty grand. That's wonderful. That yeah. is wonderful, Steve. Um, was it the Subaru commercials that were so moving during the holidays? They were so beautifully oh, yes. done. Um, where you have the wrecked car and the woman is running up to the wrecked car, and she says basically she never loved her Subaru more. Than after this accident, and where her, her, her husband were, and her child get yeah, out of the car. Whoever did that commercial, it was Ooh. really, really well done. Yeah, does that ring a bell to you? I, I did not see that commercial, but I remember a few years ago, around this time of year, they were running the "They Survived" commercial, which followed the ride of a wrecked Subaru from an accident site to, I think, a wrecking yard. Uh, and at every point where the car was handed off, the person driving the car, delivering the vehicle, mentioned to the next person who was taking ownership of it, oh. they survived. I, I think this I think was this the, is a version. This of they was survived. the next iteration of yeah. that that series because the woman is there with emergency, uh, you know, personnel waiting for them to get the people out of the car, and it's her husband and her child, and you're like, whoa. And they walk up to her, and and ooh, yeah. I get goosebumps Very thinking about commercials. it. Yeah. Well, before it's interesting we... too to see them dealing with crashes because Subaru is all about active crash avoidance. They they're very yeah. good handling vehicles, and they have the great all-wheel drive. So it's interesting that they would deal with that stuff failing ultimately. Mm-hmm. 
Before we wrap it up, a uh, final blatant plug if people want to follow you or uh, on the on Twitter, you have to get off Twitter. <laughs> I do. I, oh, I almost got through the whole show without you reminding me. <laughs> I do. I do have to get off Twitter. I know. I know. But he's still there for the time yeah. being. So. <laughs> but if people want to follow you, uh, where do they do it? On Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I, I am Car Guy Tom on Twitter. I don't want to lose that name either. I feel like I yeah. earned it. Well, you know, no, you could you could leave it there because we talked with Patrick Crispin yeah. about this last week. You probably want to leave it there because you don't want somebody else to grab it and and do crazy stuff and oh, make point. it look like it's you. And, and we've decided that because we were really thinking about getting rid of our Twitter account, and we decided no, we got a bunch of people uh, following us there. Uh, but but more importantly accounts like yours like ours that have been around for a while if you drop it somebody's going to grab it and pretend to be you so we're going to leave it there but increase our presence on other social media platforms yeah that's what i got to do <laughs> well <laughs> i got to find some time and energy <laughs> yeah. so car guy tom at twitter slash x and consumerguide.com any other blatant plugs we should yeah uh, it, it is the car stuff podcast we'd love to have more listeners for people who think we just spend the whole time talking about cars you guys can attest it's about half cars half goofing off a lot of fun people enjoy it in fact we joined you to goof off and it was like your number one podcast for the yeah, past year thank you yeah. for letting us know about yes. that yes and yep. we, were, we were just telling a friend the other day about how we did not realize we were live when we did that whole thing and yeah we thought we were just recording the podcast and then we, we noticed oh we did start right at the top, top of the, of the hour. hour and tom is saying we have to stop it specific we were recording it live i remember when we said you what and you said yeah yeah we're going out live right now we go what <laughs> and you yeah, trusted us with a live day. microphone yes <laughs> yeah we're live at 3 p.m on the talk zone uh internet radio network on tuesdays on tuesdays yep. yes all right thank you tom as always a pleasure yeah and we will uh, catch up with you in a couple weeks sounds good thanks guys take care bye-bye thanks, now tom. That's Tom Appel. Always fun to talk with Tom. Yeah. And, and yeah, check out his podcast and go to consumerguide.com. And uh, some really nice text that came in, too. So uh, thank you very much. We're going to take a break and come back with more. Stay with us. Big you can't hit me, and all you're ever going to be is mean. Steve Why King and Johnny Putman so at WGN Radio. Why you got to be so mean? So over the, the past uh, week or so, the Crispins were in from California, and we spent an evening watching Taylor Swift's Eras concert movie. Three hours. Yeah. Three. Now, full disclosure, we're both fans of Taylor mm-hmm. Swift. We realize that does she have the world's best voice? No. Does she write interesting songs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is she a master at controlling her own destiny with records, with movies, and everything else. Yeah. And if you saw the concert movie, you have to say, even if you can't stand her, oh boy, does she work and does she give her audience their money's worth? Well, I don't think you'd sit through 45 songs and three extras if you couldn't stand her. Right. Uh, and I know that there are people who just could not uh, 
put up with that. But yeah, I, I was frankly surprised. I um, I did not know all of those songs, so that was kind of interesting. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was watching like something on Broadway, like yeah. little plays. The production values yeah, are with, incredible. And the costume changes and the fact that she does show a lot of respect to the people who hold her up, whether it's her backup singers or right. her band. Uh, you know, she gives all of them credit. Now, going into it, I thought I was going to enjoy it. I knew that three hours was a long time, but I was curious. And by the way, she's going to be at the Golden Globes tomorrow night because I have a feeling. Oh, she is going to be there. I have a feeling it will win. Just as an aside, the big news is that um, Travis Kelsey will not be there, even though he'll be in L.A., he won't be there because he's got this little thing called a football game that he has to play tomorrow. Yeah. So he's kind of torn. You know, do I go to the Golden Globes and I show up? No, he's going to do his thing on the field. But but as we were watching the movie, and we didn't say anything during the movie because uh, our grandson Joseph was half watching and right. half playing Pokemon, but there was something that struck both of us. And we waited till after Joseph was not in the room. Actually, three of us were shocked. Yeah. I, I finally said um, at one point, uh, I did not know that the movie was rated PG-13. Yeah. And if I heard that, I did not realize it was for language. And oh boy, the first time that she drops a bomb, I'm like, whoa, eh, eh, yeah. hello. And there's, now it's not... At no point is it in anything she says, mm-hmm. and it's not in a lot of the I, – I would say it is in maybe four songs. Well, actually, there were some that we didn't hear because I've looked at a parental guide on this subject, okay. and there were some that we missed because we thought there were like four instances. But, but there were some, some F-bombs, there's some uh, S-bombs and GD. And, yeah. Uh, and, and we both had the same reaction – Okay, if, granted, she has a wide audience. I mean, families went to the concert, but a lot of her core audience continues to be young people. And on one hand, I'm wondering, why did she do this? And on the other hand, I'm wondering, is it maybe because, and Julian, I want to bring you into this, uh, and I know you're not a, a big Taylor Swift fan, but separate question from that. Are we more sensitive to that because we come from a generation where dropping the F-bomb was a bigger deal than it is to today's younger kids? Is that one of the reasons why maybe some artists would feel, even if you have a young audience, that kind of stuff isn't the big deal it was to our generation? You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It, uh, that it's okay to say those words. And maybe even uh, the parents are yeah. okay with them. See, you know, well, okay, they're going to see it in movies. And yeah. I don't, I, it made me sad. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to sound like a fuddy-duddy, and that's okay, because it made me sad. Because I was, number one, I was shocked the first time I heard her drop yeah. a, a word. I was like, what? And the first time it was like, we we both literally did a double take. Huh? And how about at the point when the audience, again, the audience is a cross-section of ages, but it's a very young audience. They are chanting bitching. And I'm like... 
that doesn't seem right. I did not expect that. And I guess I'd heard someplace that it was PG-13. I did not know that it was because of language. I thought maybe it was because of the outfits that she wears. And somebody came along and said, you know, this is not appropriate. I know there'd been some stink when she was actually traveling on her tour. Some organization came out and said she's practicing witchcraft on stage because she's doing that that whole dance thing with the cape. And they said, look at it. She's doing a witchcraft thing and she's going to put you under her spell. Well, yeah, she... She put a whole bunch of people under her spell, and it was very entertaining. It was incredibly um, surprising because it was. I, I, uh, frankly, I kind of went into it mm, three hours. I'm not sure I got three hours in me to sit and watch the same person perform, but, but I was in it. I was into it, and again, one of the things that blew me away is her energy level. Yes. If there is any one thing I want from Taylor Swift, it's her energy level. She's a performer. Good Oh, Lord. my gosh, yes. And and she apparently is the, 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 the brains behind these yeah. various um, vignettes of she, each she song. She plots it all out. Each song has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then you're seeing things. You're not just seeing a person standing there with a guitar or sitting at the piano. I mean, things are happening on stage. I really appreciate that. And then I went back, and a couple of the songs I listened to today, a couple of the songs she did, and I thought, you know what? You didn't need the F. You didn't need it. Yeah. It was perfectly good without it. Radio apparently played it without that. Yeah. We know that for a fact. So why do you have to do it on stage like that? And and again, one of the the many reasons we're talking about this is uh, that it surprised us. And if you are a parent, we're not saying don't show your kids the movie. We're saying just be aware of it. And is it... um, predominant in the in the concert movie no but there are some songs where it's Mm going to happen so just be aware of it apparently her first song that she used a quote swear word was just in 2022 and some people are saying well look she grew up she's 33 years old okay and she she has even addressed that she said hey i'm not the 16 year old i was when i started writing i'm a Mm -hmm. different person now i get that but she has, even though she has aged, and some of her audience has aged with her, there is still a large proportion of her audience that is of a very young age. I was just looking up here some numbers. Okay, so four times you get the f bomb. Not that numbers matter, because all it took was one for me to go, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and again, we're probably more sensitive to it. Um, yeah, and but there are parental... Um, and, and hear me, for those of you that are saying, oh boy, are you prudes. No, in my mind at least, it's the context. For example, one of my all-time favorite movies is Slapshot. Julian, have you ever seen Slapshot? No, ne- I've never even heard of it. Watch Slapshot. Adding it to my list. Paul Newman. It is a wonderful... It's a, It's about a minor league hockey team. And there are more F-bombs and more swear words, and they are hilarious 
in the context of that movie. It is one of my all-time favorite I saw that movies. movie once when I was a teenager, but I have not seen it since. And I do remember there was a lot of profanity in that movie. But it worked, right? Yeah. It, it was it was germane. They were in the in the yeah. locker room, and they're tough, and they're sweaty, and they're in, exhausted. In the context of that movie, it was funny. Yeah. It was it was absolutely perfect. So, and I mentioned that just to say, no, we're not opposed to that yeah. if it's the right context. This just seemed well, to us to be a little out of context. And I think we were also thankful that the seven-year-old, because he knows those words, he's he's heard them before, and he yeah. knows they're not to be repeated. Right. And so we were thankful because we were all engrossed in the movie. We were glad he was engrossed in something else. Yeah, he, so he, was, he didn't go, He was oh. half doing Pokemon while yeah. he was... Because he had decided early on, if we were all Swifties, that he was going to be a Swiftie, too. And then he quickly got bored with being a Swiftie. We're going to take a break. If you got something to say, 312-981-7200. We'll be back on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putner of WGN Radio. I love that song. I do, too. Elvis's birthday is January 8th. Can you even wrap your mind around the fact that he would have been 89 years old on Monday? Yeah. That's just... Ah. I was listening to uh, to something the other day, and they were playing... It was Elvis in that session mm-hmm. recording that song. And one of the cool things about it was no matter how many takes they did, and that was recorded at RCA's Studio B in Nashville with what at that time was called the Nashville A-Team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had some of Elvis's original musicians and some of the the new uh, uh, new newer people to him, like Hank Garland played the the guitar riff on that. Mm-hmm. But one of the cool things, it didn't matter if it was the first take, if it was the fourth take, whatever. They would just count it down. Actually, the drummer would just give a beep, 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 beep and wham. Yeah, the, the group just hit it full tilt. Mm. It was just so cool. If you were in Graceland over the next few days, you could go on the Graceland excursion mm-hmm. for a hundred and two dollars. You would experience, or you will experience, the rural setting of Elvis's upbringing and see where it all began in the two-room home or house. Basically, it, it, a shotgun shack. Where in the, Tupelo, Mississippi. In Tupelo, Mississippi, where yeah. the King of Rock and Roll was born on January 8th, 1935. The church he attended in his youth and see artifacts from his modest beginnings. That's called the Tupelo Graceland Excursion. Also... At Graceland on Monday, there's going to be an Elvis movie marathon. And I'm sorry, I don't know what they were drinking when they chose the movies to show. Okay, what movies? I'm sorry, The Trouble with Girls? Really? Uh, Change of Habit? I love Mary Tyler Moore. But let me tell you, if you're going to show a marathon, you've got to show the good stuff. And there was some really good stuff. Well, the coolest thing about uh, Change of Habit was it was Elvis's last scripted movie yes. and he was still uh, into the music he had come off his 68 comeback special he was looking good sounding good and one of the, the fun things if you go to watch that 
Mm-hmm. There is a section in the movie where he's just kind of sitting and playing piano. Yeah, that's and nice. W- and what he's doing is he's playing the introduction to Lottie Miss Claudia on piano, and it's really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But there's, and he does uh, what a little less conversation. He does. You're right. Okay. And I do love Mary Tyler Moore in the movie. Yeah. And he does look wonderful. Uh, Roustabout is going to be shown. Viva Las Vegas. You know, again, I'm thinking, why can't we go back to some of the true gems in Elvis's catalog, as far as I'm concerned? King Creole, please. Yeah. yeah. I don't care whether, again, like Taylor Swift, you don't have to like him, but you, when you watch that movie, you have to appreciate how, how really good he is. And that not only did he have the potential, was he showing the potential there to be a really good actor, mm-hmm. but... For all the people that had said, oh, yeah, he, he needs all that echo and everything, if you listen to just about every song on King Creole, there is very little, if any, echo. reverb. Yeah. And, for example, listen to things like uh, uh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and it's just his voice, mm-hmm. and he's so gritty. Um, can you dig up New Orleans by Elvis, just for a second? And he was working with his band members, and they had a band of uh, of New Orleans musicians that were yeah. working with him. Excellent. And just listen to the introduction to this, and listen to Elvis's voice. No echo, no nothing. Just listen to how gritty it is. Okay, I'm going to jump in here and say that's a remastered version, and they added some reverb to that. Ah, that's why you gave me that look, like oh, Matt. yeah. Because in the movie, it is it. This was probably for release versus what you hear in yeah. the movie. But again, when you see the movies that they're showing at Graceland this weekend. They don't have that movie listed. They've got Roused About. They've got Viva Las Vegas. They've got Change of Habit. And I think those became movies that, that made him a bit of a joke to people who the, were... Actually, the, 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 I uh, can find some things to like in all of those. And I've seen every one of them. I agree with you. But to the people who did not take him seriously as a performer, those movies kind of reinforced their theory see, that, you know, he was just an 8 by 10 See, one glossy. of the movies that I would put on the list would be Loving You. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, can you dig up, real quick, uh, Mean Woman Blues? I agree with you there. Now, this you'll hear a little bit of, of echo in this, but this is just Elvis and his group. This was his main group with the addition of a piano player named Dudley Brooks. Hmm. And they were recording this at the, uh, the sound, the, whatever the... I don't know if it was Paramount or who did the movie, but the, it was their sound oh, in LA. stage. Yeah, yeah. So this was Elvis. I got a woman here, she can be. Get up, die to fright. 
everything about this song mm-hmm. <laughs> backup singers everything yeah that was the jordanaires yeah and, and the lyrics are kiss so hard she bruised my lips hurts a good my heart just flips <laughs> <laughs> those are fun lyrics so elvis would have been 89 years old on monday and there's a lot happening down in graceland and i think a lot of this stuff has um to do with his granddaughter yeah uh, Riley Keough, who mm. now is overseeing everything, and I'm uh, that, that, I, yeah, I'm not 100% yeah, I, sure she's got a sense I of... I thought that that last Live from Graceland Christmas special was, was awful. It was. It wasn't... Just it was, awful. It was dreadful. And it was everything but a Live from Graceland special. Um, well, it was, it was Live from Graceland. It just wasn't That was good. just it. I mean, it was... Yeah. It wasn't even Christmassy. Um, for free, if you are a fan, on Monday at 8.30 in the morning, you can go to Graceland's live stream page. They will have a ceremony with Elvis Presley officials. A birthday cake would be cut. A proclamation of Elvis Presley Day by Me- a Memphis and Shelby County officials. Wink Martindale, God bless his heart. Yeah. <laughs> Radio television personality Wink Martindale will be there. He witnessed the historic night at WHBQ in July. 1954 when dj dewey phillips um played um, that's all right and red hot and blue we uh, last saw wink when we were, we're on, on stage, stage with, with him, him. uh seeing the rockabilly hall of fame foundation uh concert at the ryman auditorium right. in nashville, nashville. Uh, oh th- w- w- we we got it but uh, let me quickly say again okay. graceland live stream page and you can be a part of the celebration on monday absolutely free of the, charge the lights are flickering and, I I'm, know. and I'm hearing i'm here I, I thought that was my stomach growling, but it's a Zamboni. Well, it may have been that, too. <laughs> but, and the lights are flickering. And that means it is time for our last call. If you would like to be our last caller and win some goodies from our yeah. prize list. Now, you cannot have won anything from this here radio station in the past two months. This is amazing. Before we even heard the Zamboni, a listener at 847 Area Code said, I think the lights are flashing and I hear the Zamboni. Yeah. Thank you for that. So if you'd like to be our last caller, give us a call at 312-981-7200. That number again is 312-981-7200. And uh, we'll get to the last call after this. Tomorrow is another day. My friend. All right, people. Yep. It's time to go home. Yes, it is. Uh Yep. Yep. Losing time. Losing time. Head on out. Head on out. Let's go. Let's go. You don't have to go home. Yes, you do. Yeah, you really kind of do. But you can't stay Mm -hmm. here. So... You can't hear the rest of the song either. Well, and a text from the uh, 630 area code. Uh, Sam wants to know, with all of the bumps that we list Mm -hmm. on our blog Mm -hmm. posts, Mm -hmm. 
and the videos that we include, why have we never put the closing song by Red Peters mm-hmm. on there? And would we do that sometime? Let's do it this week. Let's start the week out. Oh, come on. It's a new year. Hey, management doesn't look at it. We'll think about it. If Taylor Swift can swear, come on. We're not playing it on the radio. Oh, that's true. So, Sam. And he and he doesn't sing anything that Taylor does. That's right. <laughs> he doesn't use any of those words. <laughs> <laughs> that's our new mm. standard. Well, Taylor says it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I yeah, we'll say we'll, we'll include it in the um, we'll, we'll see the, it's, the rundown. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's up for hey. for discussion. All right, we may um, have to take a vote on it next. Which reminds me, next week we won't be starting till ten thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Patrick Crispin will be joining us next week. That's true. And uh, we had a lot to talk to him about too, because. Yeah, really. In, in fact, as we were talking to Steve Burnus tonight, uh, we kind of overlapped into technology stuff and how to protect yourself online, and that prompted some questions from our audience that were tech questions, so I said, we will get to those next mm-hmm. week on the radio, so you better be here, or we might answer your question, and if you're not here, what's the yeah. point, right? If you're not here, we're going to answer your question anyway. Anyway, yes. All right, uh, we have a bank of calls, and here's how we do the last caller. We let you all call in, and so that it's fair... Because there was a time very early on, like a year ago today, when we quickly learned that the last caller was sitting there waiting to be the very last caller. And yes. Boom, 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 calling our number. We said, no, we're going to make it fairer. We'll take a bank of calls mm-hmm. and then we'll randomly choose a number. And that is the call that will be the very last one. And Julian, you were not here last week, so it is your responsibility to choose a number. Oh, the pressure's on. Yes. Um, One to five. You know, I think I'm going to go with five. Number five had an interesting connection with you guys. So I think oh. I'm going to go with Ooh. David. Okay. Really? Okay. Hey, David, where are you calling from? Well, if you're talking to me, I'm calling from Hammond, Indiana. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're talking to you, and apparently you are. <laughs> you are our last caller, David. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, uh, what's our connection with you? Well, I live a couple blocks away from WJOB in Hammond. Oh, oh, WJOB, where I started in radio. Yeah. Uh, now, from the original studio, which was let's see, sixty four oh five South Alcott. No, that, that's the one behind the Chevy dealership. No, yeah. I live closer to the one where Purdue is. Uh, has okay. Purpose. Yeah, that's a beautiful facility. Yeah, it's too. a gorgeous facility. Yeah. Nice showcase yes, where you can is. you can walk by and peek in there, and uh, Jim yeah. is doing some terrific things over there yeah. at JLB. Really good stuff. Yeah, it, it's a nice station, and you know it's nice to have a local station. So Absolutely, that we can do what's going on as far as closings yeah. and that kind of thing. Do you ever look at uh, Jim's? We're talking about Jim Deedlow, uh, who is the right. uh, one of the owners of WJOB, and he does a really interesting blog where he's been uh, chronicling. Uh, the evolution of radio and what he's done with that radio station is not just broadcast on the AM, but also turn it into a TV network and FM. And basically, he's using all forms of media to compete in this new age of all kinds of uh, streaming and every other kind of service you can think of. And he's doing a really good job. 
Yeah, and it's pretty amazing because you can watch high school football and high yeah. school basketball, yeah. and he's keeping things local. And I'll, I'll give him credit on that. It's Absolutely. That, uh, uh, you know, being this close to Chicago, we get all the Chicago stations. And, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it has spread out a little bit. Yeah, but as, as soon as you have a bad accident on Broadway, and you're not getting it on a Chicago station, you tune there, you're going to have yep. somebody standing there on the street reporting for you. And I had that experience when I worked out in Aurora. We we kind of envisioned ourselves as being the WGN of Aurora. Mm-hmm. Because if it was happening on Lake Street, we were going to tell you about it, and you probably weren't going to hear it on this station or any yeah. other station, because we were carrying our local high school football and, and in all sports, in fact, which is really fun. And it's great all these years later to see a station surviving doing that very same thing. And obviously, uh, Johnny and I are huge fans of this 50,000-watt blowtorch, but we're also big fans of local radio, yeah. and there isn't enough locally-owned local and operated radio stations. So good for Jim and J-O-B. Yep. What do you do? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're coming up on their 100-year Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because they contacted you. Yeah. Because you were there 100 years. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's right. That's terrible. (laughs) Hey, David, what do you do in Hammond? What do you do for a living? Well, actually, I'm a truck driver, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I drive in the Chicagoland area. So when you say Aurora, that's about as far out as I go. Oh, my. uh, Who who do you drive for? Well, I drive for a place called Chicago Flame Hardening in East Chicago, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And, uh, been working there 22 years, and I love my job. I've, I've been driving through the city for probably 40 years, and uh, oh. the whole trick to the city is to know which lane to be in. Hey, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And to be aware of those people who make your job difficult, like the one that we saw coming into work tonight that was on the tail of the truck. And I, I'm like, do you not know that he cannot see you in his yeah. mirrors because you're practically under his bumper? And it's snowing, yep. and it's foggy, and I'm thinking, oh. I've noticed a big change in drivers in the last probably 10 years, and it's just, it, it used to be a fun job, and I'm getting older now, so I'm not pretty close to getting uh, retired, but uh, mm-hmm. I still enjoy it. And it's, you oh, know, good. it's a nice Nice way to make a book. Yeah. But anytime you can do something for a living that you that you enjoy, that's not work. That's wonderful. Yeah. You're a lucky absolutely. man. Yeah. So, and, and I, I consider myself blessed to to be able to work. You know, and just yeah, enjoy it. So here we are, late on a Saturday night. Do you typically tune in on Saturdays, or did you just happen to fall by tonight? Yes, I did. You know, I got my old man nap about maybe seven o'clock, and then I got <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. About four in the afternoon, I just have to rest my eyes for about 45 minutes. And on Saturdays, if Johnny and I don't get an afternoon nap... I can't come to work. Yeah. I cannot oh, I do it. <laughs> uh, about nine o'clock is my limit. And it's like, I just took a nap and I got up and I was like, you know what, I'm going to turn them on. And I was I had a couple things to do. And I was like, well, I'll listen to you while I'm doing it. And Hey, I'm listening on a brand new... See Crane Radio, too, that I per- purchased because of you guys. Really? Aren't they? Now, honestly, what do you think? Well, you know what? I've had it for two or three days, and I've, I've ran the battery down once, and I'm charging it again right now, mm-hmm. trying to get it set up uh, uh, so that I can take it out to, you know, i got a little farm in Winnemac that I, I like listening to it out there. When oh, I'm cool. Going. And and what's neat about it is I, I can't believe how well it was made, and it's one of those, uh, it's one of the cheaper ones, a Solar Explorer or Solar Oh, yeah. Oh, those are great radios. Well, I'm, I'm, what I read about it in that made me think, well, you know what? Uh, be nice to have an emergency radio and something you can yeah. crank and something you can charge your phone with. Yep. 
and so far I'm I'm pretty impressed with it. Sounds great and it is a nice radio. Awesome. That's really You're, you're singing our song? Yeah, they're going to appreciate too uh, hearing from unsolicited. Yeah. Um that's awesome. <laughs> that is unsolicited. Right. I paid the money right. for it and <laughs> and uh, I think it's going to work out great for my for what I'm going to need it for. Yeah, good deal. Well, you are going to receive a WGN retro T-shirt, and we'll be cool. tickled to see you wearing that in Northwest Indiana. And also, you're going to receive. Uh, it's this has become wildly collectible, so button up when it comes to your house. You know. The yep. neighbors are going to want one of those desktop weather stations from American Weather Makers. You're going to get one of those as well for joining us tonight, David. Well, great. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you, David. So nice to meet you. And, thank you. And thanks for coming back. You know, oh. I, I remember listening to you a long time ago, and it's yeah. great to hear you back. Oh, oh thanks. Well, thank you. The, hold on for a couple seconds. We'll get some information from you off the air. That's a nice way to wrap up our yeah. first anniversary. And uh, again, uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Uh, as we said, next week we'll be back at uh, 10.30. Mm-hmm. Patrick Christman will be joining us. And you can follow us if you want to uh, go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show and spell Johnny J-O-H-N-N-I-E. Our blog is stevenjohnny.wordpress.com. Dot com And uh, there will be a blog that will have our podcast of tonight's show and also uh, all of the bumps. We haven't decided yet if uh, the red. Uh, Julian, how do you vote? Are we including Red Peters on the blog bumps this yes. week or not? Yes. Yes. Come on, Julian. If, if Taylor can swear, so can Red Peters. And I don't know. <laughs> Is this, have we ever included it on the no. bump list? No. And in, listener, in fact, a couple of people said, why, why did you have that linked? Huh. Well, hey, yeah. first show of the year, why not? That's what I said. <laughs> right? I'm Team Johnny on this one. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we'll see. <sighs> uh, by the way, if you want to see our pictures on our drive to work, you can catch those on our Facebook page. They're up there now. A couple hundred people are already loving those. And a lot of those people don't live around Chicago, so that's one of yeah. the reasons why we take the pictures. And we'll see what we might capture on the way home tonight. Sinatra Hours is uh, coming up in just a few minutes with uh, Dave Plyer. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. Stay safe.